Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, May the 13th, 2015, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm here with Steve Say. Why, hello. Mr. Bob Ryer. Hey, hey, hey. And on the line with Miss Stephanie Cook. I'm alive. Very special guest we have joining us this week. No, I've returned from the dead. It's been a very, very busy month, so... yeah. I apologize for not being here. I want it to be here. And to be fair to you, last week was not your fault. It was not, Bobby. God, <laughs> way to be sick. Yeah, I was sick, so <laughs> for, like, you couldn't be on the first time show. in like three years. Whatever. <laughs> it's true. Yep. It's true. Um, hmm. But you're back, Stephanie. I mean, honestly, like the the last thing, the reason you were gone the first time was C2E2? Yeah. When you initially missed that first week, right? So, but that yeah. was so long ago at this point. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Wait, maybe not C2E2. Emerald City? Emerald City. Oh, was Emerald City after C2E2? Before. 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 Right, yeah. But I, I meant like this, 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 you missed a week that time. Oh, yeah. And yeah. now this other, the first yeah. time you were absent for this one, it was because of that. Yeah. And then we missed another week for another reason. I don't remember which one thing it was. And then last week was because of me being sick. Yes. Yeah, I like my flight for C2E2, I left on a Tuesday and came back on a Tuesday. That's right. So, that's what it was. Um, curses, flight plans. <laughs> that's um, what it was. Whoopsies. Uh, and then, yeah, last week you were all like, barf. Yeah, I was. <laughs> that's true. That's very true. No barf, no barf this week, though. Um, that's good. Yeah, yeah, it is good. It is good. I have some breaking news here, guys. Verizon just bought AOL for $4.4 billion. What? Whoa. Is that a big deal? I don't know. Is, AO- I is no AOL idea. still relevant? Did they buy all the discs that came in the yeah. mail, too? Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know if AOL... AOL is definitely not still relevant, but successful, I, obviously, yes. <laughs> My stepfather still has an AOL I think that's uh, the email. thing. I think a yeah. lot of older people still have AOL, and they just never... They're, they're still paying that $20 a month. For no reason. Man. I had to get my parents to stop using it. I was like, you guys need to stop using AOL. There's no reason <laughs> yeah. to use the, it anymore. The chat rooms. Yeah. <laughs> I remember using AOL when like, the internet was like just like beginning to yeah. be what it was, and you would watch, like all of a sudden, your second prompt is the little running man came mm-hmm. to the middle of the screen. That's how you knew that you got a connection. You were, yay! Yeah. <laughs> it was, you know, nights of... Uh, we only had one phone line, so you could. So if somebody used the phone. Oh my god! You couldn't use yeah. the internet yeah. because some, because because of that. Dial <laughs> Seriously. At that point, you needed like a service provider to dial into in order to access the internet. You couldn't just go on mm-hmm. through your through your cable provider. Oh. And so once we got cable in- internet, I stopped using AOL because they also you know remember they they like uh, cut out instant messenger, and so you could use it not using yeah. AOL. And so for me, when I was like in high school and stuff like that, that was 
I didn't need to use it anymore because yeah. I knew what other email addresses were. But my <laughs> parents took a really long time to stop using AOL. Man. Remember the MacBooks that were in the libraries at yeah. school? Yeah. Floppy disks? Mm-hmm. Woof. Remember zip disks? Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. The friends of college student graphic design students everywhere. I still have a diskette that is labeled never throw away and like <laughs> underlined. I have no idea what's on it. I have a couple of those laying around at home. Entire list of customers that get downloaded out of hard drives and mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to play them. Who knows? Yeah. But they're around somewhere. I have some like Star Trek text adventure game on a floppy disk somewhere. Oh my God. I, I remember playing like double dare and kentucky derby mm-hmm. and stuff like that mm-hmm. so good yeah one would assume they'll take aol into the fios sphere somewhere if there is yeah. such a word they'll do something with it to <laughs> repurpose it i wonder i do wonder how much money they still ma- they still were making at this point um I, I think they have a very big infrastructure obviously and, and stuff so i think that that's probably why what, what verizon is mm-hmm. buying over everything else but i don't know it's crazy. I feel like yeah. Verizon just picked up the bill to keep AOL in the old folks' home. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. I don't know what's going on there. They've got a plan. Oh, man. AOL's making a comeback, man. Yes. <laughs> I don't think so that's ever going to happen. No. It's like saying Ello is going to be a big thing someday. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. Or MySpace. Friendster. Whoa. Much older. Getting deep yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> Friendster. <laughs> Um, Napster is definitely making a come comeback. Yeah, yeah. Was it? What is the Alta Vista in Parks and Recreation? Like the, the all the whole town still uses Alta Vista. Oh yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, but so I'm forgetting about old old internet companies. Um, <laughs> let's talk about talk about what we're going to talk about on the show this week, which is uh, our shared book of the week is also sort of our topic of the week. We're going to be talking about Secret Wars number one, uh, which came uh, from Marvel this week. Jonathan Hickman and Isad Ribic. Uh, so we'll be talking about that, what we thought about it, what we think we're going to see in the future, which the future is this week because it's coming out, I think, weekly, uh, much like Convergence mm-hmm. did as well. So we've got that to talk about. Uh, we got some, obviously, some books of the week to talk about, our lightning round to talk about. Also, a couple of news things. Uh, after you know, Age of Ultron uh, came out, uh, Marvel pulled back the, the, the curtain on Civil War and who was going to be in it and, and kind of the official synopsis. So we'll talk about that for a little bit. And uh, we'll also talk about the Archie Kickstarter that, that went off um, on Monday of, of this week and, and talk about uh, what we think of, of that whole situation. Um, but uh, before we get into that, let's just, just let's just go right to our, our lightning round stuff here. We've got um, a lot of books to talk about. Everyone had a bunch of books on their list. Um, Stephanie, I'm not going to throw you back into the fire quite yet. <laughs> Thank uh, you, Bob. You're so kind of you. But I will, make, uh, but I will make you go second, and I'll have Bob go first. So you'll just look even worse than if you just. Oh, went. excellent! Thank you. Than if you just went first, it's it's a it's a nice segue. Yeah. I Anything think. I can do to help Stephanie. Um, You're in all right. form, Bobby. <laughs> you know, I don't skip a beat. I'm, I was I've been holding in and keeping back a lot of venom for weeks. So he's got, he's got all this new material yeah, for now you. Yeah, you're here. I can't be I can't be mean to Mara like I mean to you. So it's I had to. How? It all saved up. Whatever. <laughs> It's a compliment. Whatever, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Just get on with it. Do your job, host. <laughs> All right, Bob. You have three minutes on the clock. And lightning round, go. Well, my lightning round comes in bundles this time. So starting out of the past, we have this quite satisfying conclusion to the Peggy Carty miniseries Operation Sin, which, if you missed it, would be a really fun read as a trade. Nice little story. And over in Masks 2, number 2, that's not too confusing, 
Cullen Bunn introduces some new characters into the mix, or sort of old-time new ones or new old-timers, as his story time jumps into 1978. Ooh. Uh, speaking of the disco 70s, we have the first print edition of Wonder Woman 77. It's out, and it's a mixed bag, sadly, the second of the two stories. Uh, it's with Mark Andreco, who, who is Wonder Woman, is called, and it's a standout with appearances by some classic Marston-era villains. But the first one, Disco Inferno, is plagued by some art issues. So it's seven ninety nine. It may not be the best value, but it's really nice to have it in on the bookcase. Two Convergence Times ended their mini-runs with Harley Quinn's rumble with Captain Kara taking on a very Looney Tunes aspect, as you can imagine. And the question with its ruminations on family, teamwork, love, and heroism, it shows how much big two superhero comics really miss the talents of Greg Rucka. Three Marvel superheroines had books in the pile. Squirrel Girl number five was a Rashomon kind of thing, as tales of Squirrel Girl are spun during a dinosaur attack on the Statue of Liberty. That never happens, sadly. Spider-Woman number seven. Uh, Hopeless and Rodriguez continue to move this series in a very positive direction. And anyone who gave up doing Spider-Verse should come back on to that one. Spider-Gwen number four. This has been getting better each issue, and this is an absolute standout. This was almost my book of the week. Uh, is a great guest star here that really tells you all you need to know about Gwen Stacy. I'll end with two long-awaited returns. Rocket Girl by Brandon Montclair and Amy Reader is back. Uh, future teen cop, the young Johansson, stuck here, revisits her first day on the job in what was the future of 2011, and we look at her investigating her own past. Ba-ba-bum. Finally... The second collection of Bandette is out from Dark Horse. It's entitled Steelers Keepers, and it's just a delight. The story begun in the first volume concludes here. You get tons and tons of really cool extra stuff about the development and design of the characters and their influence. And Stephanie, one, one of the main influences on Bandette is Audrey Hepburn. That makes me happy. <laughs> That's what I thought. That's why it's a nice segue between us. And I'm done. <laughs> um, I actually saw a Bandette cosplayer while I was at C2E2. And she was what? like the first person I saw. And I was like, are you Bandette? And she was like, oh, yes, I am. Like She was so <laughs> excited that I recognized her. And I took a photo. And uh, uh, Colleen Coover and uh, Paul Tobin loved it. So You must send me that picture. I will. I was so delighted to see her. She, she was perfect. Um, she was walking around with coffee and just kind of had the complete kind of essence about her. So Sure. Mm-hmm. Candy bars. She m- must have had candy bars, too. Must have. Yep. Have you picked up the second Dark Horse collection? I haven't picked up the collection yet, but I have the uh, individual issues uh, okay. from Comixology. Okay. Tons of urchin stories in the back. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I saw that they were going to be doing more of those, and I'm very excited to read them. Yeah, I know. I, I started buying, this is one of the few things I bought digitally. I bought a few Comixology issues, but it's like, no, I'm not double. I, I want to double dip desperately, but I can't because I want all that extra stuff. And if, look, for fourteen ninety five, I know you get a really a dark horse does just a nice job with extra mm. text pieces, prose stories. Nice job. All right. And yeah, I, I, well, I don't know why I bought a movie, but I did. I brought a charade <laughs> with me just because I look at a picture of Audrey Hepburn. Anyway, I'm, I'm done. I actually saw an Audrey Hepburn cosplayer as well as C two E two dressed up as uh, Holly from Breakfast at Tiffany's. Well, of course. Of course. It's so funny. Because Bob was going to say the words inspired by Audrey Hepburn, he brought an Audrey Hepburn movie with him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so a couple of the books you talked about. Um, Rocket Girl, I, I really liked. It was weird reading it because it's been so, so sure. long since this, the last issue came out. Where, I mean, it's not <clears throat> like really, the, it's not picking up in the middle of a plot thread or anything mm. like that, thankfully. But it was still like, I was like, 
oh, you're right, this is what's going on. Like it that was, it took definitely took me a read through to to remember what the sure. the story a story beyond the girl comes back in time uh, to the present thing. Yes. Um, that base story, the whole overall story, like I, I just like forgotten it completely. Mm. It's, it's been what over a year. Before since the last one came out, it's at least eight months. At so least it's eight months. yeah. Okay, I, I feel like it had been like a year since that we saw it because so. we saw them at last year's free comic book day. Was it on yes. that Sunday at Escape Pod? Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think there's one or two more issues due oh, out at that okay. point, right. just before the trade. Okay. So yeah, it's it, yeah, it's probably eight to ten months. Yeah, yeah 10 easily. Months. It's been a yeah. long time. Um, so, but I enjoyed it. So it was great to have that art back, especially. It's, yeah. it's really beautiful stuff. Uh, I loved the Convergence question book. Um, loved having the, all those characters back. You know, uh, Renee and 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 uh, and uh, Bat, Cat 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 Kane. Kate Kane, Kate Kane, Kate Kane, Kate Kane, Kate Kane, Kate Kane is Batgirl. Kate Kane is Batgirl. Batwoman. Uh, Batwoman, yes. Uh, (laughs) Lots of wrong things I'm saying. Um, Having Hunters, having Maggie Sawyer, all those characters back was really nice, and I thought it was a really emotional, well done story uh, that really illustrated a lot why these characters are so important in 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 this world, Uh, and I I loved it. And uh, Spider Woman as well was great. I did not see what the thing was coming yes. it, it was not what i expected and w- when she kind of gets where she's going i it was total 180 yes. from where i thought it, we, she was going to end up my favorite page is the one where you see how she did it yeah she affects uh, this wacky escape did you read spider woman yet i didn't read anything in your pile okay <laughs> uh and they get back to you well, how did that happen mm-hmm. and they show you how in this lovely I, I, I'm a sucker for this. If you show motion within the page that mm-hmm. replicates the movement within the panel, and yeah. it's yeah. just as she yeah. finds her way to the roof and does mm-hmm. all this stuff, and there it all is. You could... Well, that book's been all about that. Yeah, oh, it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was great. And I agree with you on Spider-Gwen. Because uh, it, it's finally addressing the stuff that we have been talking about at the beginning. It's finally giving mm-hmm. you context for Gwen and not just yeah. context of the character existing in that world. So that's nice as well. It, it was it was it was definitely a strong week uh, uh for Marvel. Um so I'm I'm excited to see where that series goes and and wondering it's <laughs> this, this is a bigger topic as we're going to talk about Secret Wars at the end, but it was weird because I read Secret Wars first. Um and then to read other Marvel books, it felt strange to me mm-hmm. a little bit. I was like I don't it's the time frame. I know it doesn't matter. You know, we've told people it doesn't really matter. Don't worry about that stuff so much. But my brain kind of like squeezed in on itself a little bit. <laughs> this can't be happening now. Exactly. Um, I mean, for Spider-Gwen, I mean, the whole point of Secret Wars is that there's only two two universes left. There's the 616 and there's Ultimate Universe. Yeah. But Spider-Gwen exists in another universe. Yes. So what the hell? What, what the hell is she doing? I'm gonna read Spider Gwen till they tell me it's not being published. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, and that's uh, I've got to look at it. It's strange yeah. times. It's just theoretical, in. like meta stuff, more than yeah. the enjoyment of the books themselves. Uh, all right, good job, Bob. Bob Thank you. talked about like 15 books in two minutes and two two and a half minutes. Um, Stephanie, it's your turn to follow that up. Uh oh. You have three minutes. I'm sure this will be just as succinct and yeah. on, on point as Bob's. Three minutes and go. I honestly haven't read that much because I have been away and at conventions and all kinds of stuff. But I do want to mention Wolf Moon. Um, I have been reading this series and talking about it throughout uh, the six-issue mini 
uh, issue run words. Anyways, and um, it wrapped up and read it. I loved it. I thought it was so, so good. And they ended things um, in such a way that uh, there there's resolution for the story that we've been given, but it leaves it open-ended enough uh, that Cullen Bunn and Jeremy Hahn could come back and do an additional series later on. And I hope that they do because it was excellent. The story was great. The art was great. It is very gory, very, very nitty gritty. So if that's not your bag, um, you may want to pass on this. But if you don't mind that sort of thing, uh, definitely, definitely check out Wolf Moon. I'm sure the trade will be out in the near-ish future, knowing uh, DC Vertigo. Uh, but you will want to look out for that. Um, let's see. What other things did I read that you guys probably already all talked about? <laughs> um, I finally started reading the all-new Hawkeye stuff. And... I don't know how I feel about it. Like, I half really like it, and then I half can't care at all. Like, um, I, I think it's good. I mean, Jeff Lemire is Jeff Lemire. Uh, and, you know, the art is obviously great, too. Uh, but I find myself not really caring about the backstory stuff. Like, the, the stuff where it's all kind of watercolory and, you know, everyone's kind of just trying to, like, where Clint comes from. It's mm. nice, but I would rather have full story of the stuff that's currently going on with Clint and Kate as opposed to this backstory that really doesn't mean that much to me. Um, so I'm liking it, but I want more of the now. Uh, so, yeah. And then I'm assuming you guys also talked about Afterlife with Archie, the latest issue. Like, Well, no, because it just oh, came out this it? week. Oh, I thought yeah. I was late. <laughs> Talked about Sabrina back <laughs> oh. a couple weeks ago. Was that on somebody's list? It's on my list. Oh, well, rooms, I'll just but... say that I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think that the series is good, and a thing happens. But we already know that preview spoiled another thing that happens with one of these characters in which a thing happens. So I'm like, oh, this is going to be short-lived. Uh, so I'm a little bit, like, bittersweet about um, that. But the story's still good. It's really interesting. I wish we were getting more of it. I mean, Afterlife with Archie's been around for, what, over a year now? We've got eight issues. <laughs> no, it's longer than that. It's oh, good Jesus. God. Um, yeah. But it's still obviously worth checking out. It's amazing. And I mean, I mean I'm mean, i not assuming it's Frank Avella's fault. Um, I mean, it could be the writer as well. But I mean, he is drawing virtually everything, I feel like, still. Uh, so, you know. Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, also very good. Enjoying that. Yes, yes. Um, quickly, Stephanie, what did you think of Avengers? Because you were not. Oh, uh, I really enjoyed it. I uh, took my friend on her birthday. We went to go check it out. And I was like grinning the whole time. Uh, I thought a couple things were going to happen that didn't happen. Because um, I, I don't want to spoil it for anyone. But yeah, I, I really thought it was great um i loved the the use of cap shield with everybody like um mm -hmm. how you know thor would use it to uh strike down and then like make a a thundering path along the way like blow his enemies out of the way um i'm trying to do this without spoilers 
Look, they're lighting up. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're excited. I, I liked the whole dynamic this time versus the first Avengers where, you know, they're scrambling to be superheroes that are just in a group together, but they're not actually a team. And now they were a team and they've been, you know, practicing and fighting and uh, taking down these Hydra bases and stuff. So I really like the dynamic there. Uh, I, I thought it was really cool. And... um I I wasn't I, I liked the twins. Um I mm-hmm. obviously have some qualms about it due to, you know, uh, Sony having the rights. I think I sent you Bobby um that tweet. Yeah. <laughs> where yes. it was like uh Magneto, "Hey kids, what's up?" and it's like Wanda, it's like <laughs> new backstory, who dis. <laughs> um <laughs> I, I don't know how I feel about all that stuff yet. Like, I thought they did a good job with the parameters that they could work within. But right, I mean, the movies they have yeah. no choice. I mean, the comics are different. I, obviously, different. Yeah. A different. I mean, avenue. I hope it doesn't bleed into the comics, though. Or did they announce that it would? Because I feel like everyone's angry. Uh, it already has. It already has. I mean, they're not ex- that, that, that. It's not that origin, right? It's not. It's not the origin from the movies, but in the comics, they've. Uh, change their origin uh, for. Mac- I, I guess what they've technically done is change it back to the way it was before they added in that Magneto was the dad. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of gone back to that, I guess. At this point, um, I haven't read the, the issue. Isn't out yet. I think the issue's out this week, mm-hmm. where they finally like go into it, um, what it is. So it just kind of a panel or so uh, leaked out. So I, I don't know the context of, of so what's happening. We wouldn't say too much, but... No, no, yeah. no. Um, but, I mean, that's been coming for a while. That's been the whole storyline of this last Uncanny Avengers story has been about their origins changing and stuff like that. So. As long as they bring back Miss America and the Wizard, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, But I'm glad to hear you like it, I did. Stephanie. I want to go see it again, but everything has been so busy. Uh, and I keep on meaning to film... Um, I got those Avengers razors that I mentioned in Boston. Oh, right. I keep yeah. meaning to uh, do a giveaway and do an unboxing, and everything has just been so, so, so nuts. So um, mm. at some point, I'm going to set all of that stuff up and get back on track. But I've also been reading all kinds of backstory stuff. Bobby, we will have a discussion about Blackest Night sometime. Okay. <laughs> Not now. <laughs> That's right. You read, you read that a I few did. weeks ago. Yes. Well, we will definitely have a discussion yes. about that. I love that book. <laughs> um, we'll, have, we'll have a nice long discussion about that book. Uh, but awesome. All right, Steve. Yo. Lightning round time. Yeah. Are you ready? Yep. Here we go. Boom. All right. So I've been kind of shoving this book in people's faces ever since it started coming out, and I'm going to do it again this week in my lightning round. It's Cluster Number 4 from Boom Studios, Ed Burson and Damien Cusero. Um, just drilling it into you that if you're not picking this up, you really should be. Um, every time that I think that I know what's happening in this book or I know what the stakes are um, within the next issue, everything – or not everything, but a lot of major things begin to change. Um, the parameters, the risks – the character roster, everything is constantly being shifted around. Time is constantly being manipulated um, by the problems that they run into, adding pressure to the story, and it's just really, really good. Uh, and today, being Wednesday, uh, Ed Burson has another series starting with Image uh, called Mantle. Mm-hmm. So Mantle number one comes out today. If you haven't gone to the shop and you want to check that out and check out his latest jam, you can do that. Uh, Ant-Man number five ends the first arc for um, Nick Spencer's 
Ant-Man. And just want to like put it out there that I really, really, really enjoy this book. I've made, um, like I've mirrored it to the superior foes of Spider-Man in terms of humor. And I'm always talking about how weird, how quirky and how funny it is. But issue number five is a, there's something very, very serious going on throughout the last two issues. And it all comes to a head in this. And Scott is having to make major, major life decisions while simultaneously, um, being like the best possible hero that he can be to the people that he loves most and just comes together with, aside from the laughs that are there, there's a lot of heart to it as well. Uh, other book I read was The Woods from James Tinian and Michael, oh God, Dionas? Dionas? Yeah, sure. I'm sorry, I only have three minutes. Um, it's cool. It's exactly what people have said. I've seen blurbs that it's lost mixed with Lord of the Flies. That is exactly what it is. It's cool, it's colorful, it's entertaining. Uh, the art's a lot of fun and matches the story almost too well. Um, I question some of the motivations of some of the characters in such a short period of time, but I'm kind of running with the, if I wound up in another dimension with my classmates and my teachers, and that's all I had, I'd kind of be losing my mind as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, thanks to both Stephanie and Justin from the Backup Stories um, podcast and show that we have, and Talking Games, I started reading Invincible, and it's so good. It's so good. I got the Ultimate Edition, which is the first three trades or issues one through 13. I blazed through it in like an evening or two and have already bought um, two, two, three, and four. Uh, they're on their way from in-stock trades because I need to read the rest of the series. Um, if you haven't checked it out, it's from Robert Kirkman. It's super good. Like every, every good thing that anybody has said about it in the past, I back that up completely. And that's it. Perfect. It's one of the ridiculous things. Ryan Otley, right, is the artist. Mm-hmm. He's drawn, I think, every single issue of that book, and they're at like 120 wow. or something mm-hmm. at this point now. It's pretty like, insane. It's really, really, I don't want to go on and on about it, but I like the, the main character is fantastic. He's really, really relatable. And considering that he's a superhero, you don't always get that. There's kind of like a disconnect with these people that you could mm-hmm. never be. Um, Kirkman does a really good job and I believe his name is Kyle. Um, just make, he's like a regular high school student that finds out that he's beginning to get powers just like his father and he's having to learn to become a superhero and a huge family secret it has the curtain blown back and it just warps his world and the support cast is amazing and all of the like the little things that they liken mm-hmm. certain characters to other characters throughout comic book history. So you've got your Batmans and your Supermans and your Green Lanterns and Wonder Womans and nobody is safe. Mm. So and I've I've formed a bizarre connection with Kyle's mom. I feel for her completely. She has been through the emotional ringer uh in this first volume and I love it. Awesome. There you go. All right. All right, let me get my, the clock started here. Lightning round for me, and go. Um, Stephanie mentioned Afterlife with Archie, number eight, came out. I uh, really enjoyed the issue. Uh, it's got a very shining vibe to it. Uh, and we get to see two characters talking uh, that we haven't seen really talk in the entire series, which was very, very nice. Uh, Arcadia, number one, from Boom Studios. <coughs> uh, <coughs> sorry, it's uh, Alex... Uh, man, I should have just gone with the not saying names. Yeah. Uh, uh, Pocknadal and art by Eric Scott Pfeiffer. It's very bizarre, interesting story about 
how the, the virus comes and basically you know, wipes out seven billion people and uh but the, what they do before before they die they kind of upload their consciousness into like sort of like a matrix and so all these people are living in this matrix while there are about a about a billion people still living on the earth um now that this virus has been eradicated and you see both perspectives and the people on earth are interfacing with the people in the computer and there's like a there's like a middleman race that that kind of set up the whole thing that they, the president has to deal with politically and there there's like a, a lot of interesting dynamics there um I, it's not all pulled off uh, great, but it's a very interesting novel concept. Um, Swords of Sorrow, number one, which is uh, Gail Simone and Sergio Davila, uh, which is a dynamite kind of crossover book that takes all of these uh, female heroes from the universe and some anti-heroes and, and puts them together into one book. Um, you know, some of the stuff I was a little bit confused on because I don't really know the, the characters that well, uh, but the story was interesting and fun, and uh, I think it's cool to see, much like Gail's done with, with Red Sonia, taking these characters who might have been objectified in the past and not really necessarily changing how they look or changing what they're doing, but changing the way that th- their inner agency has made, I think, a very interesting take on, on what's happening there. Um, Convergent Speed Force, number two. Also, a, a very satisfying convergence read. Um, it, it's I don't think it's on the level of uh, you know the question or Bob the book you'll talk about mm-hmm. a little bit later, but it brings back the family aspect of the Flash in a really nice way. It brings back Wally, brings back the kids, and uh, because of that, uh, I think it's a really effective effective move. Um, and the last book uh, is Dead Drop Number One. Uh, this is another uh, Valiant book, and it's uh, an Exo Man of War story, but a very much smaller story. There's uh, a woman on the run with a virus, and he's kind of working for MI6 trying to stop her. Uh, and it's really just, a, in, this, in this issue, it's very street level. He's just running after this girl, uh, and you see him being a hero, protecting people, you know, disobeying authority, kind of much more, n- not the big interstellar stuff that we've seen from him in the past, very on the ground. And it was a kind of fresh, nice take. Uh, Lesh Kot is, is writing it, so uh, it's not super weird, but <coughs> it has more of like that zero feel from Lesh Kot, where it's, very clandestine, very interesting, nice. you know, very, uh, very kind of spy-like, and I'm looking forward to see um, how it how it how it goes. It's it's a mini series from them. I didn't know that he was the writer on that. Yeah, I would have picked that up. Yeah, uh, very cool cover too. Very very well designed yeah. cover. Nice. Yeah, they're collecting lots of very Maybe big up. creators yeah. over, over at Valiant lately, mm-hmm. as people seem to want to dive into something fresh different yeah i mean yeah. I, maybe also i feel like maybe they give them a lot of freedom to do like what what they want to do you, was this one dead drop oh yeah, yeah my friend adam uh he did the art on it oh, me and the adam like, super went good. way back like we used to work uh in movie retail together at a store oh wow yeah <laughs> yeah the art art is great i mean obviously i didn't have a lot of time to talk about it but the art is very, very looks nice. really cool I'm so proud yeah, it is of very you cool. adam <laughs> i'm gonna have to get that um yeah adam yeah. adam gorham Awesome. Yeah, Lesh Cotton and Adam Gorham. It, it, and the art is great. And it, it's, it's a really fun book. And another one of those books, too, where uh, definitely knowing something about the character helps, but you don't necessarily have to know, be steeped in the universe. Huh? To, Didn't to check out. Adam work with Joey Esposito on Porn no. Shop? No, that's, that's Sean him? Van Gorman. Oh, um, <laughs> I forgot the G's. Sorry. <coughs> that's what they call them, the G's. The G's. <laughs> How many issues is that going to be? I'm so horrible with names. I don't know the, <laughs> what the run is on it because it doesn't say inside of it. But it, it definitely, when they announced it, was a miniseries. Okay. So I'm not, but I'm not sure how they're going to, how it's going to run. But yeah, it's definitely yeah. cool. Yeah, spy type miniseries are all my alley yeah. generally. So and that could be my first foray into value. Shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> I picked up the uh, third trade of Lazarus. 
I want to make my way through that again. I'm in the mood for some spy stuff. Mm. That book is awesome. I'm still waiting on Velvet. Is another trade due and I'm <laughs> like six issues behind and it drives me crazy. All right. So before we jump into our books of the week, let's talk quickly about um, speaking of uh, the Avengers and, and Steve read Civil War this week. For the I first did. Time, uh, and there was a big Civil War cast announcement uh, this week as well. <laughs> um, Marvel really pulled back the curtain on all that stuff. Um, and I'm going to read uh, a little bit of that right now. So here we go. Um, so wait, okay. let's see here. Okay, so we've got um, here we go. It's got Steve Rogers, Captain America, obviously Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark, Iron Man, Scarlett Johansson as Natasha Romanoff, Black Widow, Sebastian Stan as Bucky Barnes, Winter Soldier, Anthony Mackie as Sam Wilson, Falcon, Paul Bettany as the Vision, Jeremy Renner as Clint Barton, Hawkeye, Don Cheadle as Jim Rhodes, War Machine, and Elizabeth Olsen as Wanda Maximoff, Scarlet Witch. Um, they also announced. Obviously, that Paul Rudd, um, Scott Lang, Ant-Man will be in the film. Um, Chadwick Boseman, who plays T'Challa Black Panther, will also be in it. Um, Emily Van Camp, who played Sharon Carter, Agent 13 in, in Winter Soldier, is back in it. Uh, Daniel Brühl, uh, who is playing Baron Zemo. Frank Grillo was playing Brock uh, Rumlow, Crossbones. And William Hurt is back as General Thunderbolt Ross, um, revising his role for the first time since Incredible Hulk. And they also announced that Martin Freeman is playing an undisclosed role in, in the movie. Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> Bilbo Baggins. Yes, yeah. he's playing Bilbo Baggins. Modoc. <laughs> um, the rumor about him is that he, I don't remember the character's name, but he was the character who was the liaison between the Avengers. Henry, Henry Gyrich. Henry, Henry Gyrich. Who's been in the X-Men movies. Oh, really? Well, their character was to get killed by Mystique in the first one. Oh, okay. <laughs> on the helicopter. Yes. Yeah, so right. But he's an Avengers character. Yeah. So that, that's who Martin Freeman will be playing. There will be some sort of liaison that they set up because of the whole Civil War thing that will go between uh, the yeah, two things. I think that mm. could definitely work. The character needs to be there. Um, mm. and, and the plot synopsis is this. Captain America Civil War picks up where Avengers Age of Ultron left off as Steve Rogers leads the new team of Avengers in their continued efforts to safeguard humanity. After another international incident involving the Avengers results in collateral damage, political pressure mounts to install a system of accountability and a governing body to determine when to enlist the services of the team. The new status quo fractures the Avengers while they try to protect the world from a new and nefarious villain. Um, so, okay. uh, obviously, reading that synopsis, it seems to share some stuff in common with the comic book origin, but, mm-hmm. but there's some stark differences there. Pun not intended. Yes. Um, and the fact that one of the main things, obviously, we have here is that we don't really have any secret identities in the world of the Avengers, Marvel movies. So uh, the whole aspect of people who have their identities hidden being publicized is not really an issue here. So they've kind of had to go about it a different way. Um, you know, but the plot synopsis, I think, is something that we could have guessed, other than the fact that uh, the Avengers are going to be so central to at least part of, of the movie. Um, for my money, what I think is going to happen right is that it's going to start out very broad like that and then at some point cap's going to have to go on the run and it's going to get down more to um him alone or with one or two other characters mm-hmm. where it's going to be a little bit different um but that's just me i don't know uh stephanie what do you think about where civil war is going and, and the amount of cast and people that are going to be in the movie uh i think that the you know the marvel kind of connectivity is gonna start it's starting to feel uh, like too much at this point, you know, they're, they're banking on so many things going on around the Avengers movies and civil war. And, you know, like you kind of started to feel that in, um, 
Avengers 2 where it was a bit like there was some missing pictures that things that were happening in like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and um, other stuff. And I kind of feel like with a bigger cast of characters and without like Joss Whedon on board, um, you could potentially sacrifice some of the story uh, Mm. with too many people. And uh, the characters that you should be giving some like on-screen time to that don't have their own franchises, like Black Widow, the Scarlet Witch, all that stuff, are going to be really undershadowed um, by these new characters coming forth. Uh, You know, like, we already don't have movies for these characters, and Captain America and Thor and everyone do. And uh, I kind of think that it's getting bogged down. Um, I mean, not to say that these movies won't be great. I'm sure they'll be great. You know, every time uh, there's any criticism, we're like, and then we're like, this is so much great. This is all like, "Ah, this is the best. Um, But, you know, like I caught up on agents of shield this week and like, Mm -hmm. it's too much. Everything being connected there, there needs to be a line. (laughs) Uh, And I think uh, as that show goes on and as, uh, what is this? Phase two, phase three, phase twelve. Um, phase three is yeah, the okay. stuff. So like as phase three carries on, you're gonna feel that weight of everything else mm. that's come before. And they won't be movies that anyone can just jump into. Um, it's like you can't just take your kid to see Civil War. You have to go back and watch everything. Um, and I think that's gonna wind up uh eventually as the franchises carry on uh, being a con for uh, Marvel. All right. Bob. I have similar feelings to Stephanie here. I trust the Russos to deliver a great movie because Winter Soldier was colossal. Mm -hmm. I'd rather see Captain America 3 than Avengers Mm 2.5. I think the solo movie should be focused on those characters and then we have the jam every couple of years. Right. So... Can Cap get lost in his own movie? It could be. Hmm. It could be. I think his values will shine through because it is going to be a very clear-cut versus situation. But I want more Cap Hmm. than as much as I want to see some of these other characters again. I could have waited till Infinity War in Hmm. 2018. Yes. So that's it for me. (laughs) Steve, what about you? It's a lot of characters. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of characters put in uh, Captain America movies. You know, it's... I agree a lot with Stephanie and Bob that they the scope of these what are supposed to be smaller movies might be getting a little bit too big as a result of like we got to see a piece of what like Ragnarok will become in mm. the new Avengers movie and like they just they that was like a part of the movie that didn't really work for a lot of people but it's like you just you got to cram it in there you got to work it in somehow because we got to get the ball rolling on this thing if they have too many balls rolling in too many corners of the universe that they have to cover their asses with the though what's nice about getting those like individual character focused films might begin to fade away little by little and i i would really miss that Mm. you know like as as cool i saw um age of ultron again on mother's day i brought my mom to see it and like as cool as it was like i really it makes me appreciate movies like the first avenger and you know thor and just mm. you know even though that was the beginnings and and you know it's nostalgic at this point and whatever but 
I was able to relax. I didn't have to pull all this information from previous movies to enjoy what I was watching. I was that was my my problem with it the first time was that I was spending so much time, you know, putting all my ducks in a row as it was happening that I wasn't able to really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, second time around, I enjoyed it. I not much had changed for me and how I felt about it. Um, some of the scenes worked better the second time around. Um, some jokes didn't fly as well the second time. And I had a, a not a good audience oh. the second time around. The first audience I had was great. Um, but um, I'm the Russos delivered probably Winter Soldier is my, at the top of my list of Marvel movies. I have only seen it once, but I was blown away by it. I like that sensation of leaving the theater is all I need to know, like to know to put that in my top spot. Um, I'm sure they're going to deliver a hell of a movie and I'm definitely looking forward to it. And having just read, uh, civil war, very relieved to hear that synopsis because within the first 15 pages, I was like, how are they going to do this? Because the whole thing starts because, uh, new warriors, like a smaller team, a huge, like giant accident. A lot of people get killed. Yeah. And it's called into question all the stuff of, you know, these heroes need to be regulated and it, it spirals out of control. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, how the hell are we going to do this unless we like draw a line in the sand and just begin the movie with people being at ends and going rogue and then creating some kind of a catastrophe that now the Avengers have to mm. deal with or cap primarily. Mike, how are you going to do that? Mm. So I'm glad to see that they're going to move it around. And just like they moved the Ultron stuff around, they're going to do it to suit Civil War and stuff. Um, but I mean, it's unfortunate. Like I, I read Civil War. I really didn't care for it. So I'm really kind of looking forward to seeing a different like augmented take with what they have in their film universe. And yeah. I think it's going to be really cool. It's funny. Cause like that opening of civil war, it starts so strong. I think that beginning is uh, like pretty astounding. I, when I read that for the first time, it really, it, it had a lot of effect on me and it was very prescient about what was happening in our culture at the time. And then it goes to a lot of other places, which I don't, I, I, I agree with you. I don't have a great love for yeah. civil war, but mm. as far as the movie goes, you guys are very Debbie downers. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think that w- what I think saves the movie is the fact that it's a Captain America movie. So unlike an Avengers movie, they don't have to worry about serving mm-hmm. all of the characters, right? The most important thing is you serve Captain America. That's that's it, the movie's called Captain America: Civil War. So you focus on Captain America when you have to, and then you use these other characters as, to fill out the universe. Because we always knew there'd be a lot of characters in it. Because if you're going to do Civil War, it doesn't really make sense if it's just. Right, Robert Downey Jr. versus Chris Evans. There's got to be more going on, and now we have all these other characters brought in, into the. Fray. What if it's just them, um, like, and they can duke it out by chopping wood? <laughs> they can just Captain America. Just, we already know Captain America would just, win, though. They can just we chop wood in shirts, yeah. like tight shirts, and whoever chops tight more shirt. wood wins. <laughs> yeah, we already know who wins that battle, though, Stephanie. Are they all wearing Clint's shirts? When they're on that farm? No, they're wearing like their undershirts oh. or whatever, like their superhero undershirts. Going through his dress drawers. It's all under armor. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I think that I think that the story is going to primarily focus Captain America, Iron Man, and Black Panther because of, you know, the announce, big announcement mm-hmm. they made and they brought him out. Um, I'm excited to see what it is. You know, I, like you guys said, Winter Soldier is a fantastic movie. And, uh, you know, I there are, there are aspects of it that... I'm wondering how Winter Soldier bleeds over into this film because Bucky is in it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, 
there's there's no reason why you can't write a joint storyline where when Steve's underground, it ends up bringing him in contact with Bucky. It actually is kind of perfect because that's what he would need to do to have to go to Bucky and not try to bring him in. Because this whole thing is he's going to bring him in, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and this is the way that it would stop him from, from doing that. Uh, you, know, w- I, you know, I hope... And I don't. And what I like about the synopsis more than anything else is that there's that there is another, there's a villain mentioned in it. Because I, I, I don't mind if it's a philosophical battle between Tony and 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 uh, Cap, but I don't want to see a lot of hero on hero fisticuffs. Like I just, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I personally am not interested in seeing that mm-hmm. stuff. And this makes it seem like it's going to be a lot of not that it's going to be much more of a probably a little bit of a chase movie in, in some aspects. And then this villain that's going to probably reunite them at some point or in some way cap on the run cap on the run. Yep. Yeah. And Baron Zemo, he's in the books. He's the person who respond is responsible for Bucky's death. Right. Yeah. So that, you know, that's not here, mm-hmm. but he could be one of Zola's scientists. We could go to that something and, yeah. or the son. He's the son of, because there were two Baron Zemo. Yeah. He is definitely Marvel. the son. I think they've yeah. talked about, cause they talked about another actor playing an older version of oh, him that's or, or even, Thunderbolts. Are we going <laughs> to see the Thunderbolts now? <laughs> you know, to me, Civil War had great ideas yes. as a book. Yes. That, I didn't like it either. It uh, completely fell apart and mm-hmm. it made me angry and it, it was mm-hmm. all about yeah. the things I didn't want to see. It's too many heroes fighting instead of just talking. Heroes in the other books not acting the way they were supposed right. to. And mm-hmm. I don't want to spoil Civil War. People are going to start reading this. But yeah. hearing that synopsis makes me feel more hopeful about how they pigeonhole this together right. a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. that's better. Yeah. That's better. Yeah. I like Crossing fingers. <laughs> I, I, I read it and I, th- I thought it started really strong. Like yeah. I was very yeah. much into the the present danger and the situation. And, and yeah, like especially after Age of Ultron and even before that, like the destruction that's caused by these heroes has to come into question mm-hmm. at some point. They yeah. need to address that because the world just doesn't let people keep destroying and doing billions upon billions of damage. And what, Tony's going to pay for all of it? Mm-hmm. Like it just doesn't make any sense. So I appreciate that. And the book... I felt started really strong with a concept that was interesting, but as it went on, it was like overnight there was like heroes fell on one side or the other and certain characters were not acting like any incarnation that I've ever seen them. And I know that I started reading after Mm -hmm. this stuff, but she Hulk like being on Tony's side, just, just like that and Reed being, I know he can be dismissive and he can be distracted and stuff, but he was a straight up asshole in that book. (laughs) And ignored his family, let Sue walk away from him. It was horrible. Mm-hmm. And I just, I put it down. And I was like, I was like grossed out. Mm-hmm. It's like, I just don't, this is not a book for me. Right. I know a lot of people love it and that's awesome. Maybe it's because I'm reading it now with like a harsher eye that I, I picked it apart a little bit. But um, I'm just, I'm so glad to hear that the synopsis is what it is because it gives me hope for that story. I mean, I think people, I mean, it was a very popular book when it came out, definitely. And I wasn't reading comics at the time. And I remember a friend of mine who was reading comics told me the description of it. And I was like, that sounds uh, amazing to me. That's it, what Kelly Heron said. Very, it's a great hook. Because when you mm-hmm. tell people that hook, they, they get very interested in, in, in what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's, it divided people even then as far as like quality goes. Uh, but, you know, I'll, I'm interested to see what this... Like, I think that what, what is cool is I think that what the Russo has proved with Winter Soldier is that they can bring in bigger ideas about government and what heroes mean and what what kind of, what surveillance means and, and, and all that kind of stuff and i feel like there is a good place for them to 
delve deeper into that stuff in, in, in Civil War because mm-hmm. it's it's still a political centered movie, and they did such a great job with that Winter Soldier mm-hmm. that I want to see. And look, I I don't think there's any there's no doubt in my mind that the decision to go with Civil War and to go this big with everything they're doing has a lot to do with the movie that's coming out a month or so before that, which is Batman and Superman. Like, th- don't underestimate Marvel's desire for their Captain America movie to outgross the Batman Superman movie. They want that so badly. I'm sure. Right. And announce that cast with yes. the Avengers in it, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it won't happen, and who cares, really, if you're yeah. if you're not an investor in one of those companies. But I think that's, it's a big ego play for both of those companies. Um, Sammy, did you want to say anything else about the... The Civil no, War? I'm good. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, who's right. playing General Grant? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it's me. <laughs> the one thing I'm thinking, I had an idea, I don't know if they're going to do this no. or not, but they're kind of replacing, the, the end game after Infinity War is going to have replaced primarily our regular Avengers with a new crop of Avengers to you know take over then Because mm-hmm. Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, Robert Downey Jr., definitely, you're, you're not going to see them being in a lot of movies. Maybe they'll, Maybe they'll come back for Avengers every yeah. once in a while, or, or, or they'll, they'll pop up, but yeah. they're not going to be your regular players anymore. So I wonder, with the Thunderbolt Ross thing, if they're going to broach the topic of the other Hulks at all. I think so. Because for them to have a Hulk that can just be voiced by someone, and they don't have to have an actor playing the character all the time, I think is probably very attractive to Marvel. You know, basically bringing him to do some voice work and maybe some motion capture, but never really see him because, um, you know, the Red Hulk can speak. He's much smarter than the, the normal Hulk. Uh, I'd be interested to see if, if that's where they're going to go with that. We've seen him with a whole tank of super soldier stuff. Exactly. He, you know, he's already part of that whole program. Exactly. What he yeah. did with the Abomination. Yes. So, yeah, that's a great thought. Yeah, I wonder what they're going to do with that. Uh, and but, more toys. Now you have a Red Hulk. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah just and a She-Hulk. And a, yeah. I, hope, I, really, I hope they do She-Hulk. I, I wonder if they would do her more with a TV show than a first. Than Love a, to see that. Love to see that as a Netflix show. Yeah, that would be a great Netflix show. I was and I was I was looking up Jessica Jones stuff because like I know Jessica Jones but I don't really know like what she does you know and I was like oh she flies and she's super strong yeah. like I didn't realize these things I also did not realize that Brian Michael Bendis created the character I didn't I didn't even realize that. I didn't know that um, which is all and then I was wondering I was like will she fly in the show because it's a TV show and it's tough to do flight in TV shows like sustained mm-hmm. um, so I don't know we'll have to see she's gonna jump really high. Maybe. Yeah. Also look, part she of keeps power. that on the down low yes, yeah. as a detective. Yeah. And that's fascinating, too, because it, it, it says already in the description that she's a former disgraced superhero. Yeah. So I, I, I'm very curious about her backstory. I'm excited for that. Me Especially too. Especially after Daredevil. Me too. Daredevil I think it's going to be very good. cool. You're going to see Luke Cage for the first time? Yeah, uh, I may have to illegally download these <laughs> or something. <laughs> Uh, get some Purple Man as well. We'll set you uh, up with a Netflix account, Bob. Eight bucks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Less right. than going to the movies. This is true. Except I have no way to watch it at home. Can you do it off the internet? Or <laughs> yeah, you need yeah, a yeah. Box the internet. Your computer. Oh, okay. You can do it on your computer. Okay. Yeah, we'll yeah, teach absolutely. you about the future, Bob. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I, it was only a year ago that Steve taught me to copy and paste. <laughs> it was so, a, please. We had a moment. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> it's amazing. All right. Bob, tell me about your book of the week. Okie dokie. My book of the week is Convergence Nightwing Oracle by Gail Simone and Jan Dersima, who I mentioned before was the first female artist ever on Wonder Woman back in 1983. Uh, inks by Dan Parsons, colors by Wes Asoba, and a really charming cover by Jill Thompson, who is the creator of Scary Godmother. Ah, yes. 
And for those who have seen this cover, there's, there's a Chip Kid is, does the variants, yeah, I guess. Yeah, Chip Kid's on. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a, just a charmingly romantic cover. It's Barbara in a wedding dress, and the lace in her wedding dress is all computer-printed circuit boards, <laughs> which is just sort of wonderful. Anyway, I, I digress before I've even begun. When they announced these tie-in titles, I thought of having Gail Simone back writing a, a, an Oracle story pre-New 52, it really put me in an emotional roller coaster. I was really psyched for that. But then it's, I knowing the parameters of this event, where is this going to end up? Where is it going to leave these characters? Am I going to be really aggravated when we're all done? And even after the first issue, I wasn't completely sold because there's some, there's some gloom and doom mm-hmm. here. And for I know some people are waiting to read both halves. Mm-hmm. There are some moments where Barbara seems like she's kind of given up that she's been overwhelmed by this city being trapped under the dome and that everything has changed. And slight spoiler, since I mentioned there's a wedding dress on this cover, uh, Dick Grayson, Nightwing, asks her for her hand in marriage, and she says no, Mm. which is, ah. But here, now that I was just completely, that was just all set up for here. Because what you have here is Gail Simone showing her mastery of, of this character. And in that first issue, it's all, it's all fighting in this. So it's the Flashpoint Hawkman and Hawkwoman yes. who are not no, really yeah, good just, people. They're no. really hard-boiled. And they've decided, okay, the premise is you come and you beat the heroes of the other city and your city gets to live. They don't like their city from the earth they're on. They think it's kind of mealy mouth and weaselly. So they, they like Gotham better because it's, it's Gotham. Yeah. So they're going to surrender, throw the fight, mm-hmm. and take over and spare everybody. Mm-hmm. Which Barbara and Dick say nerds do, basically. Yeah. Yes. And so what we end up here in this issue, the, the battle's on. Uh, you great action sequences by Jan Dersima. Uh, and with deeds, words, and thoughts by the two characters, Barbara has actually started the fight before Dick, Dick mm-hmm. does, you know, 10 minutes before. And you know, there, there are lines like, before I was anything else, I was smart. Yeah. And you just see that in panel after panel, there's a great surprise guest star, maybe not so much of a surprise, I don't want to take that away from her anymore. Very satisfying conclusion. And then after the conclusion, there's a finale that just really had my heart, because no matter what happens with the rest of this event, I'm going to hold on to this story mm-hmm. and the way this ends as my ending for the old 52 Barbara Gordon. So... Just wonderfully emotionally satisfying, great characterizations, fabulous art. I, I loved it. Yeah, if nothing else, um, I have not really been enjoying uh, the main conversions book, and I kind of have, I'm done kind of with it at this point. Wow. Uh, but nothing else. What these events is allowed to do is kind of do this kind of love letter to DC history, where you were getting all these stories, and some of them better than others. Some of the, some are about sections of the universe I don't care about. Some of them I feel like they kind of did a poor job mm-hmm. uh, with, with the characters that they addressed. But I think overall, stuff like this it makes it worth it because you get to see characters doing things and acting the way that you haven't seen them in a, in a very very mm-hmm. long time. And uh, it was really really nice to have Oracle back and. It was great seeing her fighting from that chair and in a way that made her just a necessary hero as someone who can, you know, jump off a building. And that was great to see in this issue. But what I love is that it really is Nightwing and Oracle. Like, they both are given 
um, they're due, and they both are given their moment in this. In, in yeah, really the Hawks are very dismissive. Yes. of Dick. Well, he's just a tumbler. Yeah, yes. yeah, and he kicks butt. Yeah, I like the idea that they <laughs> they know their city is weak, so they're like, "We'll just come to your city because because we are the only two people left of our race." So if we look at this, they we're eventually going to lose. Yeah. So we're going to come to you because we feel like we can probably win, with you guys, <laughs> yeah. which I thought was 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 a good thing. Uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Good Absolutely. Stephanie, Hello. what do you got for us? Book of the week. So, uh, when I was at C2E2, yeah, I picked this up at C2E2. Oh, um, uh, I picked up this book from Magnetic Press, and I originally got it on Comixology, uh, but I, I just stopped at the booth to, you know, sort of thumb through it, and uh, I just fell in love with like the quality, the overall quality of the book itself, and it's called Love the Tiger. And uh, from what I understood at Magnetic Press, they're going to do a series of three books. So this one, The Tiger, and then two follow-up ones, but they don't uh, connect. And I'll, I'll get into that a little bit uh, later. But uh, this is done by Frederic Bremo and uh, Federico Berlucci. And um, Nicely done. If you guys just even look up the cover for this book, you will see the level of art. Um, that you're getting into right off the bat. Uh, and uh, this story is sort of like, Bobby, please cue up Circle of Life. Um, <laughs> it is, it's about a tiger and what he has to do to survive in the forest. And he's um, trying to hunt a tapir. Tapir? Tapir? You know, those little like uh, pig-like things with the big nose. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And... Um, and uh, it gets away and you're like, oh, good, the poor taper. And uh, then you're like, well, this is what this tiger needs to do to survive. Like he needs to eat. Um, and there's a, there's obviously a writing credit with this story as well. I've listed two names here. And uh, let me see. I think uh, one of them did sort of uh, the layout storyboarding uh, what the plot was going to be. Uh, but there's absolutely no words in this book at all. It is, let me see. Do, 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 do. It is uh, about 75 pages long and comes with a ton of sketches in the back and stuff. Uh, but there's not a single word in this entire story. That this isn't a talking tiger. It isn't trying to tell you about its grief. <laughs> oh, we just want to eat. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm it's hungry. All, you know, really... Motive through uh, the tiger's face, and you know he he's frustrated that he hasn't caught this um, his dinner, and it, it sort of takes you through his like day, <laughs> this really shitty day for this tiger, um, <laughs> and you know what happens <laughs> in the jungle. Um, but there there's a series of other animals that it comes into contact with, and. Um, you also see what happens to those animals too by proxy, and uh, it's it's this story about life and death, uh, but from the perspective of um, the animals. So sort of, kind of like Pride of Baghdad had words in it uh, and was very graphic, uh, but it, it kind of reminded me of that in a more um, artsy sort of way. Um, I mean, Pride of Baghdad is beautiful. Don't get me wrong, but this feels like. Uh, um, a fine arts project graphic novel versus um, a Vertigo graphic novel. 
that make sense? Sort of? Yes. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But anyways, it is absolutely stunning. And um, again, like, I, I saw this on Comixology and it was like, oh, the French version. And I was like, now I realize it doesn't matter. <laughs> There's no words. <laughs> you can get whatever version you want because the tiger doesn't speak English, Spanish, French, whatever. He speaks tiger. That's it. And he doesn't <laughs> tell us what the, any of it means. So um, it's but, excellent. Again, it is uh, Love the Tiger uh, by Frederic Bremo and Frederico Berlucci uh, from Magnetic Press. And um, you can definitely, uh, let's see, this is the first in a series of books, each focusing on a different day in the life of a different wild animal across different natural habitats. And um, it received special jury selection award at the Festival of Comics in Lucca, Italy. The Italians love it. Ah! <laughs> yeah. So anyways, whether you get this on Comixology, it is available there, or whether you get it from Magnetic Press and get a physical copy of it, but Magnetic Press is the people who do published uh, Naja, the really nice mm-hmm. uh, box, which actually was why I went over there in the first place, to their booth. Um, <laughs> but they're like Dark Horse. They put a lot of work into um, their presentation of their books and... Uh, you you can't do wrong. You can't go wrong. Yeah. That sounds awesome. I love those stories where there's nothing but the emotion and the art mm-hmm. on the page. It's very, and the art is stunning. Like, Sweet. it's completely worth it. What would you compare the art to if you had to? You can't really. Like, it's like apples to All oranges. Right. It's not comic <laughs> art. It's like fine art. You know, like, oh, it's cool. kind of just fine art that's been inserted into this. Um, Magnetic Neat. Press, you know... Bengal wasn't really doing Western comics. He was just doing his own thing. And um, his work on Naja was the, uh, his step into Western comics. And Magnetic Press facilitated that. Um, and they're bringing kind of um, these European artists uh, into the spotlight here. And this is kind of what they're doing with this. So this book is beautiful. It's only seven, $18 um, for this great, great, great hardcover. Awesome. And I was lucky enough to get a cool print that came along with it. Uh, but definitely check it out. Cool. Does What's the name again for love our listeners? The Tiger. So Love, love is like the, tiger. Uh, the this one as well as the two follow-up books will be called Love. Uh, but this one's The Tiger. And then uh, the other two will be whatever animal it's focused on for those ones. Nice. I typed in Love the Tiger into Google. And the first one that comes up is the book. and the, But the, the, the second... The next three entries are all YouTube videos of Eye of the Tiger. Perfect. No videos of that story. <laughs> no, anyone remember that story from about 10 years ago here in New York where there was this fellow who had lived in the Bronx in an apartment and had filled out bogus paperwork that he was some sort of animal sanctuary <laughs> and literally had raised a tiger in his apartment. Until one day when it was about 400 pounds and it bit him when it was feeding. And he went to the hospital and went, I got bitten by a pit bull. <laughs> and he left to go home and the doctor called the police where I went, no, you can't get that. He's got some sort of giant animal. So there are these videos, if you go Bronx Tiger or something onto YouTube, mm-hmm. the police rappelling down from the roof, looking through the window at, an, at a nine foot long tiger leaping Amazing. at the wall and shaking the wall. And they... they finally tranquilized the thing and got into the apartment and discovered not only did he have a tiger, he had a five-foot crocodile in his oh bathtub. 
Are you serious? Very serious. 100% serious. I had family in Florida that they lived kind of off of a golf course. So Mm -hmm. part of their land in their backyard, they had a lake. And inside the lake, there were two alligators that lived there. And they kind of cordoned it off and kept them as pets. And like fed them and threw things into the water for them, and it was crazy. It's like Lake Placid. Well, I went, I went to go for a walk. Like there's a park back there too, and I'm like walking towards the lake, and they're like, no, 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 and I'm like, why not? And then I saw it. I was like, are you kidding me? It was nuts. Yeah, back when you can keep alligators in your backyard. Yeah, I don't know if you ever really could keep alligators in your backyard. They had names. I don't remember what they were. The old west <laughs> it's crazy man animals are going in all day we found a 16 foot great white shark uh this morning or yesterday near the off the long island sound wow I, the world's changing man things are moving and they're they're coming in everybody going to jones beach is gonna get chomped oh, watch out for the sharks Dan they don't in. they don't like bli summer jams no i'm yeah. happy with that concert they don't we don't like Car- Carly Rae Jespin. <laughs> Fire Island is never going to be the same. Nope. Fire oh. Island's just waiting to be a B movie. So, nope. Stephanie, we got an hour with you, but you have I to go. I do. I'm sorry, everyone. I like this month has just been so stupid busy, but I will be back like full time very, very, very soon. Um, she just doesn't want to hear about my book of the week. Yeah. She doesn't want to hear. She's like, I'm out of here. No, I just <laughs> have to has download tigers in it tomorrow. Yeah, that's never going to happen. Yeah. Let's, let's be fair. <laughs> don't, don't. We're going to say all kinds of things about you I'll after you it. leave. <laughs> You'll have to listen to the podcast to find out. Do it. No, do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Go for it. Uh, all right. Stephanie, we'll have a great night. Yep. Enjoy. We'll bye, guys. Later, I miss okay? you. Good bye-bye. night. Bye-bye. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Well, now that she's gone. Yeah. <laughs> I meant to try to say that before she actually signed off, but she actually signed off <laughs> before I said that. So now I just feel She's like, I'm out. Yep. No, I just feel bad about it. Graced us with her presence, and now she's gone. She's, she's out of here. She is gone, gone, it's gone. Looks like that'll hold them for another four weeks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> now I'm done. All right, Steve. Yeah. One less person in the audience. Let's talk about your book of the week. Oh, it's pronunciation time. Yeah. This would have been perfect for Stephanie. I know. See, I, I had a whole yeah. follow-up to, to what she was talking about, but she left. I told her, too. I was like, Don't, you believe before Steve does his book, he's going to ask you to pronounce the names. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna th- I think I'm going to have to have Bob help me out because he did a pretty good job of this before. Um, the book that I want to talk about this week is um, this massive and absolutely gorgeous uh, hardcover from a publisher that I don't know if they've ever been mentioned on the show before. Maybe, Bob, at one point you have. Yes. Okay. Um, this uh, book is called The Swords of Glass, and it comes from uh, Humanoids, is the, uh, is the publisher. And... Bob, if you would be so bold, because I don't want to. Fry this the here. first name is the writer, and the second name is the artist. Sylvian Koja and Laura Zuccheri. Thank you, Bob. There we go. There you I'm, go. I'm sure that's not right, but it, it might be close. <laughs> it's in the ballpark. All right, so here's the deal. So we're going to be talking about Secret Wars uh, number one later on, which is you know another world-ending uh, event book. And that's kind of what this is. Um, the Swords of Glass, here's the deal. There is a series of storms that are that are happening in this world. Um, where this takes place, it is a very, very much a D&D, like a Dungeons & Dragons world. Like if you want to imagine a dungeon master setting up the story for his, his guild and, and his people, and it's like, you know, you're in the land of blah, 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 and there's all these things. This is that world. It's super, super high fantasy. 
Um, the artwork is absolutely ridiculously gorgeous. Like if you've ever seen, again, like Dungeons and Dragons, where like the bestiaries, where they give you the books with all the highly detailed barbarians and, you know, monsters and creatures and stuff like that level of detail is on every page um, just about in this book. So the setup is, is that the end of the world is coming in the form of storms. But the universe, if you will, kind of has a like celestial bodies have a pact with one another where whatever world you're going to destroy, you have to at least give them a chance to survive. So the storms are coming. The opposing force of these storms is the sun. The sun kind of solar flares and shoots these four different glass swords into this world in different parts of the world. And what the book is, is it's a story about four different people that end up finding these glass swords. And the concept is, is that if these people can find the swords and kind of bring them all together before the end of the world, it will create a scenario for them where they could maybe avoid destruction. Um, the deal is, is like, you know, they send them to four very different people. They're all tied together in one way or another, but they don't get along. And in order to make the magic happen, so to speak, they all have to find each other and work together to make this happen, or it's not good. Everybody's going to die. Um, so the book primarily focuses on a uh, young girl named Yama, who uh, kind of lives in like the drag society of this giant, um, elaborate kingdom run by all these lords and ladies and stuff. And there's this like one badass uh, named Orland who is just, he's like your resident asshole. He has tons of armies behind him. He just, you look at him funny, he kills you. Um, if anything happens to his police, you know, you get the same, that whole thing, just a, a tyrant above tyrants. And he comes in and kind of, he ends up killing Yama's father and enslaving her mother. She manages to get away and this sword falls from the sky. And right before she runs away, she finds out that she can touch it and nothing happens to her. Other people though, if you go to kind of pull the sword from the stone, so to speak, um, your entire body will become infected by glass and you'll shatter. So there's only four people on the entire planet or in this whole world that can touch these swords. She runs away and um, basically runs into this kind of hermit who the entire time that I was reading this book reminded me of like a young Mel Gibson. <laughs> it was really like his facial expressions was like, it's the dude from Lethal Weapon with white hair kind of doing the uh, Doc Brown thing. But uh, she meets him and he's kind of like taking himself away from the world. Um, he knows about the swords and he kind of ran from the prophecy and he's looking to live a life of solitude, but finds this, you know, defenseless young girl uh, in the forest and brings her home. And she tells him about the situation. He knows Orland and he knows about the sword. So they make a pact that she will stay with him and he will train her how to fight so that one day they can go back and take the sword and she can use the sword to kill Orland. And then when that's over, she'll hand the sword to him and then he'll complete the prophecy. That's all within like the first 30 pages. Um, the book is a absolutely sprawling adventure that spans probably about 15 years. Um, and like I said, you move around a lot in the story following the different swords and who winds up with them and stuff like that. Um, huge, huge cast of characters. 
Again, the artwork is absolutely astounding, um, particularly the creatures. Like, there's a lot of combat in the book, and because it's so like picturesque, it can almost appear a little bit stiff sometimes because there's so much background and there's so much detail that like sword swinging kind of looks like a little like a little stiff. Um, the main character can be a little insufferable at times. She's had a lot of bad crap happen to her. Um, but the chip on her shoulder, if you're looking for it to go away, it kind of doesn't. So if you're going to get into this, and you're going to read this, I would give you the advice of be comfortable with the idea that if you don't particularly like the main character all the way, there are lots of other characters to like that you will like and get attached to. And they have just, they serve just as much of the story as the main character does. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to really say about it without spoiling some stuff. There's some really, uh, cool hooks in it. There's like these tiny little people, there's magic. Um, there's like talks of witchcraft and there's like shamans and all this crazy, crazy, uh, high, high fantasy stuff. Um, I really haven't read anything like it since we started, uh, talking comics, not to this extent anyway. I mean, we've read fantasy books and sci-fi fantasy and stuff like that. This is straight out of like a Dungeons and Dragons campaign kind of thing, or like the old adventure novels that you would find in Barnes and Noble or wherever. Um, I think Isaac Asimov is like more horror, more straight sci-fi. Straight sci-fi. So like who am I thinking? Like, like the Wheel of Time. Oh, uh, Robert Jordan. Robert Jordan. Robert Jordan yeah. yeah, like like Robert Jordany, um, Game of Thrones, a little bit. Like as far as the world that she's inhabiting, like when you meet her people, they kind of remind you of the people that are following Daenerys and stuff like that. And the city that you are in reminds you of the one that Daenerys invaded and mm-hmm. things like that. So there's a lot of like familiarity in in the in the art and stuff like that to kind of make you comfortable within this world um but it's just it's absolutely gorgeous and has a very very um highly satisfying ending that when you find out exactly what the swords are used for um really opens it up and this is supposed to be a one and done humanoids um they put up like a lot of like large scale stories that span like four and five hardcover books. This is actually a one and done, but can be something that goes on. But I would imagine that this took a very long time to bring together. Mm. Um, the artist also did the coloring for half the book and then they got somebody else to, to do the half. But I mean, their styles match up completely. It's flawless. So yeah. Um, so that's the swords of glass from, uh, humanoids. And I'm not, saying who did it because bob did and he did a very good job and i can't you should mention to people that is an oversized yes hardcover yeah doesn't fit on any Hmm. freaking uh bookcase that i have it's gonna have to be one of the ones that lays sideways and is just in a pile which i hate doing (laughs) along with my you know 44 flood tomes and Mm -hmm. all of that stuff but um i mean stephanie mentioned the quality of the book that she talked about this is quality. You even got, you know, you got a good book when you got a little ribbon to mark yeah, your page. Yeah. You know, that's that's the sign. Yep. And uh, yeah, I I enjoyed it honestly. Like it was good enough that I would be curious that when I when I go back, I, I got this in Canada at the the hero shop. Um, they have tons of humanoid stuff. It's pricey, mm-hmm. but you're paying for the artistry. I would just like I was really hoping that I would like it. Because like if you throw down forty bucks on a book mm-hmm. and a gamble book, you really want to like it. Yeah. Like it was it, like they let me unwrap it and thumb through it before I purchased it, mm-hmm. which is very nice of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, new territory 
for me. Cool. And uh, it was fun. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So um, I was attempting this week to read uh, Batman Year One. I mean, Year One. Batman Earth One, Volume Two, which came out. The Jeff Johns, mm-hmm. Gary Frank. I couldn't get my hands on it. Um, uh, Rob didn't get it at the, at the shop. So I'm going to test that out this year. But I was uh, this week. But I was thinking about it. The the first volume of that came out Fourth of July weekend uh, the amazing spider-man one came out the same week that we wow because i remember we got to go to the shop when it was closed on fourth of july and rob let us buy our books early mm-hmm. uh, and and then we went to like uh we went to like a, a, a like a pool party or something and i remember i had it with me so um i'm excited to read that though because i really like the first volume it's just been forever since that first volume came out um and i was up until about i don't know like an hour before the show i was going to talk about dead drop as as my book of the week but I uh, cracked open one of the trades that I bought um, on Free Comic Book Day, Manifest Destiny, uh, Volume 1, Flora and Fauna. And uh, I haven't gone through the whole thing yet, but I'm, I'm more than halfway through um, the first arc here. And it's uh, Chris Din- Dingus? Mm-hmm. Dinges? I'm going I'm to say yeah. Dinges. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew Roberts and Owen uh, Genie are, 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 are the team. Uh, Owen Genie is the colorist. Matthew Roberts is the penciler and the inker uh, on the book. And the, the story is, is wonderfully simple, right? It's, it's the exhibition of Lewis and Clark. Yeah. Um, but instead of just kind of mapping territory and running into Native Americans as, as, and, and tough terrain as they make their way west, they have been tasked with going out and extinguishing all of the monsters that exist in the Western <laughs> of the United States mm-hmm. on their way out. And, and that's, they're making it livable for the rest of the people because if not, they'll just be destroyed. Right. Um, and the premise I thought sounded very interesting, but I was concerned about the premise without reading it, that it would it end up being some sort of, uh, you know, joke. Like I thought it was going to be one long joke. And that's a funny joke to start with, but, after a while, it's like, okay, you know, I get it. I, yeah. get, I, get, I get the joke that, that we got going on. So I was worried about that. But then as I've been reading it, um, it's not that at all. Nope. It, it's taken very seriously. And it deals with the very kind of heart of darkness, you know, apocalypse now sort of we're going down the river and things are, are getting worse. Mm-hmm. And, and we're meeting strange people and, and things just keep getting stranger and stranger. And what I like about it, too, is the other thing I thought was going to happen was I thought it was going to be like, okay, it's Lewis, Lewis and Clark going down the river. But in this version, Lewis and Clark are like freaking badasses, man. Like, one's like a ninja and one and – yep. like, and like Clark is good at what he does. He's like a military guy, but he's just a normal guy who just happens to be a good strategist. And, and uh, Lewis is very, very smart. He's the intelligent one. He's the one who's um, – you know, he's the one cataloging everything. He's the one who has all the theories. And they have a very – good relationship together they play with each other very very well mm-hmm. and even the the rest of the crew that kind of fills out the story so far has been interesting and you know it, it's it's part kind of enlisted men in the army and part convicts that you know like a suicide squad type sure. of situation where they, they have really nothing to gain and, and nothing to lose and their freedom to gain so they've gone on, on this trip and uh the first I, what i like about it is that they're not encountering monsters and situations that are kind of like the stock set of stuff, at least not so far. The first creature they encounter has the, the, the head of a buffalo mm-hmm. and the body of a 
man and a horse, like a it's like a buffalo <laughs> buffalo man. Um, buff tar. Buff. Yeah. Well, they call it a buffalo tar because they're like it's like a minotaur. And he's like, no, no, no. But that has the head of a of a bull and the body, what? a full body of a man. This has like that of a buffalo, and it's kind of a man's body, but it also has like you know four legs, you know, dish kind of thing. It's he's like, oh, so maybe it's like a centaur. He's like, well, no, that's like half man, half horse. So they have to like go through all this stuff, and they're like, let's just call it a minotaur. <laughs> um, and uh, they go through that, and but but what I like about it is that it's not just like okay, this is our one issue. How are we gonna get around this issue? It's like they run to this issue, and then to get away from that issue, they have to run headlong into another one. You know, where there's something else, and it's very different than what they they faced originally. But there's a reason that's called flora and fauna because there's two there's two dangers that are, that are happening in the story, and mm-hmm. um, it's a lot of fun. It's got a it's got a very because the, the 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 Lewis and Clark part of it, it gives it a very kind of I don't know early American literature vibe to it, like a very kind of like um, you know Melville Hawthorne okay. Poe type of feeling to it, and even some of the writing quality of the writing, it, it's it, it's modernized, you know, and, and it but it it has that feeling to it, but it also has this high adventure kind of high fantasy feeling of a, of a pulp story, so it's a very uh, unique mix I think of the two and. Um, I think it reads really great in in, a, in trade form. I don't know how it reads, how it read, um, you know, issue to issue. Uh, but I'm really enjoying it. Reading, I, I mean, I I I almost read the whole thing in like 40 minutes. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it's really fast to read through. Everything flows really nicely. Uh, I think the diary entry kind of structuring device of it, I think, works uh, very well. And I, what I, what I left off, we just have our first kind of um, uh, what God. The, the Indian Guide. It's not Pocahontas. Sacagawea. Sacagawea. That's yeah. what it is. Uh, I'm not good with words today. Sacagawea just has sort of entered the fray uh, of the story. So I really like it. Uh, I didn't. Um, I was happy to find out that Volume 2 is already out, which I did not realize. I have it. You can borrow it. Uh, so I'm going to buy it. No. I'm gonna, I oh, you don't need me, huh? I bought Volume 1, so I'm going to buy Volume 2. Uh, really, really good. And I, I'm excited to, to keep going with Manifest Destiny. Um, one of those series where I, I didn't really... Uh, the first issue came out. I didn't even get it. It was one of those image series. I didn't even get the first issue and I kind of just forgot about it. And it wasn't until um, like a few months ago, it was even before Mara was on the show. Somebody on our Twitter tweeted about it and how it was like, the book they were looking forward to most. And there was a couple other people who kind of rang in as well. I talked about it last year. Yeah, no, last year I know you talked about it, but yeah. I'm talking about just like later on, I kind of like for, for after, just forgot it was after even last year, I just like forgotten it existed, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and kind of moved on. And then we got towards like the end of the year stuff and everything, and people started like talking about it. I was like, oh, maybe that's that's that a book that is still something people are caring about. And and so when I saw it at the the shop, and uh, I decided to pick it up, and I'm I'm glad I did. I'm excited to read uh, the rest of Manifest Destiny. Yeah, it's one of those uh, series that I've been you know patiently waiting out the trades because I like I like to read it in a chunk like that. Um, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, really nice. I, I, I hadn't really mentioned anything about the art, which I should. It, it, the art is very, very nice, uh, very detailed, uh, very expressive. Um, you know, uh, the colors are also really fantastic. Uh, just an overall great package. You know, that, that I really recommend if you're a fan of adventure stories, if you're a fan of kind of this these weird alternate history mm-hmm. takes, which I usually am. It's something that I, I think people would really, really enjoy. So that's Manifest Destiny Volume One: Flora and Fauna. Excellent. Uh, before we take a little break, I want to talk about the Archie Kickstarter, uh, which the news broke last week, and I, and I pulled up 
the the Kickstarter page on my phone here. They because th- today they also before we recorded this they added a FAQ to the the Kickstarter page, which I think addresses a lot of the questions mm-hmm. that people had. But the basis of the Kickstarter is this: with Mark Wade and Fiona Staples' new Archie number one, which is rebooting the universe coming out. Archie Comics is looking to expand that new universe. Um, you know the. Uh, John Goldwater, who is running Archie Comics, has said, this is not, we're not coming back from this relaunch. We're going full steam ahead. This is not a one-time thing. This is going to, this is going to be what it is from now on. And so to double down on that, they are asking for $350,000 to, with the bulk of the money will go to three books. Um, Jughead from writer Chip Zdarsky, uh, Betty and Veronica from writer and artist Adam Hughes and life with Kevin from writer, artist, Dan Parent and inker Jay bone. Um, so that's what, that's what they're delivering. What they want to deliver. Um, there's a lot of tier rewards and I'm, I'm not going to go through all the reward tiers. I mean, if you guys want to check those mm-hmm. out, check those out. It's not really about promoting the Kickstarter as much as it's about talking about the idea of a company like Archie comics, who is a very well established company. Yeah. Um, kickstarting three comics uh kickstarting three archie comics so you know the question of it is um how how does i think i think there are two things that are very important one thing is how does it initially make you feel and two um why does it make you feel that way because i think those are the two I, i think a lot of the conversation that's happened has been very much people stating how they feel about it as some sort of factual reasoning why it should or shouldn't exist and that's not really what, what, what it's about mm-hmm. i think this conversation is is largely philosophical in, in, in a lot of ways because um, let's be clear archie comics is doing nothing legally wrong they can do whatever they want and you have the right to fund it or not fund right. it it's totally up to you but there is a question this come up before in kickstarter it's really the first time it's touched comics in any real way because most of the time comics kickstarters are from people who can't get books made unless they get it kickstarted um and in other mediums we've we've had more established creators using that to bring back fans that like we saw with Veronica Mars, we saw some other mm-hmm. stuff. And so this conversation had other places that it hasn't really had here. So, I mean, Bob, you know, uh, you've backed some Kickstarters before. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, how did you feel when you heard about this announcement? Weird. Yeah. Just positively weird. Archie is a company that has a literally beginning of the golden age history. They're around since 1940. Mm. And I understand they're not that archy where they sold 350,000 copies of a book the way they once did, but somehow in my head they still are. Mm-hmm. They're an industry giant, and it's sort of, oh, GM wants me to kickstart them designing some new car. <laughs> and, you know, taking a step back and thinking about it and some of the comments John Goldwater has made, we don't have corporate money behind us. We're still this little company with an office, and they've had their own internal politics and some in-family squabbles and so on and so forth. If this gets them big creators and gets them a book out that changes their universe and brings the joy of their characters to other people, I'm for it. I have some other qualms. I don't know if you want to wait till we go back around again. Yeah, we'll go back around. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve, how would I do? How did you feel when you saw the the Kickstarter announcement? Well, it's funny how I ended up even hearing about this. I saw a lot of the backlash before I even <laughs> knew it existed. Uh, a lot of people on on twitter like i respect their opinions and you know um one of them being uh maria norris uh just kind of giving her piece on it and i just as far as like personally does is archie in a position where they need 
like help to get their books up. And that's the thing. That was a big part of the issue is that we don't know. Right. And they're not going to share their internal finances with us, right? No. And a big part of their problem, I think, initially is, is what you're th- – th- that's a good question because I think a lot of their issue public-facing was that they put this thing out there and then just kind of didn't say anything about it. Right. And that became a, a problem. Like, all right, personally, like what I know about Archie Comics and their history and like their financial standing could fill a thimble. Like it I – don't, I don't know Jack, right? But – I watched the video and, you know, the video comes on and they're like, we're not DC. We're not Marvel. So we're asking you, you know, to, you know, throw down on this. And the, their, like their mission, what they want to create is a very attractive package with Chip Zdarsky and Adam Hughes and like the new book. But like, do, do you need our, these are big ass names. Like, is this money going towards hiring them? Or have you already worked this out? Are these books already being worked on? Like, I just, I felt like the message was very unclear. Like, as much as they tried to put it to people very plainly, I left the video or the presentation being very confused about what exactly I was potentially throwing in for. Right. And for me, I had the same kind of reaction you did, Bob, where I felt weird about it. And I, I said so on Twitter. I said, you know, it's a very interesting thing, and but I don't know if a company like Archie needs to be kickstarting books by people like Chip Zdarsky mm-hmm. and Adam Hughes, it's like mm-hmm. you you kickstart maybe this book if it's by some if you're giving it the chance to somebody who maybe doesn't have a name or the book's not going to sell and but they, people really want a Jughead book. But no, this, the, the 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 hook of getting this Jughead book is that it's written by Chip Zdarsky, right. who you can't tell me that Chip Zdarsky's not going to draw for, can't draw for six issues uh, an audience big enough to make you your money back on the book. If you're asking us to foot the bill so you can publish comics, then I don't. Th- then w- what's going on? Because you're you're a comic book publisher. You're not you're not one guy. You know you're you're not you're not a little collective of artists. You know maybe you don't have you, you don't have Marvel and DC money. And there's been interviews that have come out since this, right, where John Goldwater has talked about some of the messaging. And you say, well, I stand by our comparison. We're not Marvel or DC. Yeah, but what are, it's like saying like. You know, I I'm not Bill Gates. Like you know, they're Marvel and DC are billion dollar conglomerate, billion dollar conglomerates. So where are then? What are you? Because you're not. Re- that doesn't really tell me anything. It tells me not you're not a billion dollar conglomerate, which I already know for sure. But you know, what about compared to IDW, compared to Image, compared to these these other companies? What 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 are you standing? And obviously, they're not going to share financials. But the problem is when you start asking people for money. There's going to be a contingent of people who want to know, why do I have to give you this money? Mm-hmm. And some people will just fund it because they're excited about it. And those people aren't wrong. They're not wrong at all. Um, but when a comic book publisher is saying, oh, we can't publish, we're not going to publish these comics unless you give us money. It's like, then what are you doing? Like, who are you that I don't understand? And, and now they've said, right, that John Goldwater said that, no, the books will come out anyway. Those come out a lot slower if, if, mm-hmm. if we don't get it funded. Which <coughs> takes it completely takes away from me the, the the spirit behind again this is philosophical spirit behind Kickstarter which is this thing would not exist if it wasn't for this means right Rocket Girl wouldn't have existed if it hadn't been right. for Kickstarter you know st- stuff like that would not have existed if it hadn't been for this money that could have come in that allows them to you know pay themselves to work that allows them to you know get I mean Image ends up distributing the book obviously but 
you know, all that stuff. Because the, the, the creator-owned model is very different than something like Archie to, like, Zdarsky would be or Marvel to DC mm-hmm. or whatever it ends up being. So if they're coming out anyway, then what are you really asking for? Just us, like, to foot the bill for a little while until, until the books come out? I, d- mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't get it. Um, I've had people make mm. the comparison, well, because these, most of the Kickstarter things are creator-owned properties. Mm. Where in this case, here are books that obviously Chip Zdarsky, Adam Hughes can't own, Betty and Veronica and Jughead. So that you're paying them because the books may or may not sell. As great as Afterlife with Archie is, Mm. we're selling under 10,000 copies, generally speaking. Is it enough to pay a talent like this who needs to go get his own money out of Mm. his own books and so on and so forth? But just as you mentioned, things like Rocket Girl and... People did very well with that eventually. Yeah. You also have character uh, creators doing characters as Mark Wade does over at Dynamite and mm. Dark Horse, and they don't own the Green Hornet. Mm-hmm. And they managed to attract those creators too. Yeah. Are we keeping the lights on at Archie's business office? Yeah. Until these books come out. My other real concern is what about stores who've yeah. been supporting Archie? I actually have something for that. A few of them freaked out about it. A few of them freaked out about it. Well, there's a a little bit of a reason for that. Um, It's kind of like a double-edged sword hidden within this whole thing, is that Archie is looking to um, set up kiosks within Targets and Walmarts. Well, they signed the contract, right? They they have a distribution deal with them. So, I mean, of course not all, but there have been a number of LCSs that have come forward, owners, and, you know, boycotting Archie's entire line saying, you know, we're already, we've been supporting your books for years. And, you know, as much as we've always said, like, wouldn't it be great if they sold comics in, you know, major mm-hmm. department stores and stuff like that where people would, more people would have more access to it. There's that other half of the coin where, you know, you're taking money away from the LCS and you're taking money away from the people that have been supporting these books when you didn't have these deals and now you may or may not be taking money away from them well i mean let's be clear these single issue stuff are not going to appear in walmart and target that stuff is going to be digests and Mm -hmm. and collected editions and look i this gets into a whole other part of the business which is that i feel like look comic shops are great and they they deserve business from comic book retailers but this whole thing with like oh you can't go sell your books in walmart what about us like Mm -hmm. They can sell their books wherever they want. It's better for the industry if more people are reading reading the books. The Kickstarter thing, like it's just like anything else. Like Rocket Girl got kickstarted, they ended up selling single issues in the stores. People who back it will get the issues that they back for, and they're going right from the people. But the same thing happened with Rocket Girl. No, the comic stores didn't see any of that money right. for the direct issue. So that's just the way it goes. I mean, but it's different, right? Because it's a publisher um, who's doing it, yeah, not, not a creator, not, not a creator. <clears throat> um, yeah, if you cut the stores out of the loop on the biggest Archie story mm-hmm. in years, yeah, and I'm the fellow who's I've tried to have an all ages shop. I have a little Archie thing. I made sure people got into Afterlife or Sabrina mm-hmm. or the various magazines and whatever. Even stores that don't sell books like that. My friend Frank, he doesn't do kid. He does superhero stuff, right? And does it very well. So he's done for thirty odd years. He still has a little corner of Digest and Archies. And mm-hmm. when I see him today. I'm sure he's going to be chewing glass. Right. But he, the thing about it, too, is uh, but the, the amount of people who are going to back the Kickstarter versus the amount of people who probably buy the book in the stores is very different, right? You're, you're going to the hardcore of hardcore with this thing saying, 
you who love Archie more than anything else in the entire world, like we're giving you a chance to come in first and, and get this stuff early and get variants and signed copies and mm-hmm. stuff like that and a subscription or, or whatever you whatever it might be. Um, normal, m- the most people who went up if 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 this Mark Wade Fiona Staples thing is a big hit, which I think they're assuming it's going to be. Um, if it's a big hit. It, it, and it draws in people who remember Archie or new people and new people. Most of people are just going to come in and buy it, and then they're going to buy the books that surround it because mm-hmm. they're there, right? So I, I think that it's an overreaction by comic book stores to, to feel that way. I understand wh- where they're coming from, but I think it's a little bit of worry that somebody else is taking a little bit of the piece of the pie. And look, comic stores have it rough. I'm not saying I'm, I'm not. It's not an excuse, but. There's other avenues for people to do this stuff in, and, and I don't think that comic book publishers need to be beholden necessarily to just comic book shops while, while, while mm-hmm. sell, for selling their products. Um, again, I don't own a comic book store, so that's why I'm saying this. Yeah. Obviously, it's all about personal feelings and experience. It's like, you know, uh, if you're a Patriots fan, you don't care that if Tom Brady deflated a football or not because you won games. That, 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 yeah. you know, <laughs> if it's saying if anybody else's team that. that fans team would feel the same way that team's fan would feel the same way uh it's the same thing what i'm talking about here but you know i think that there's i think there's interesting stuff to be said about it you know because it's it's you open yourself up to so much scrutiny when you do stuff like this and i I think that they weren't prepared for those questions i think that they weren't ready for them i think they thought that people really like archie comics we have we've had a nice creative resurgence in the last few years people are feeling really good about us and this is going to be just another another rung in that ladder <laughs> and the, it's it makes a huge difference when you say okay okay but give us give us money early to do this now right mm-hmm. you know when you ask people to give money early mm-hmm. for something they've been getting normally for a long time people get bristly about it so you know i don't know i don't i don't have like a moral objection to it but i do think it's a little bit weird and it, it leaves me feeling a little bit icky about What's going to happen? Especially because they said the books will happen anyway, and yeah. so I don't, I don't, then I don't get it. Then, like, why do this? Why open yourself up? Unless you're like, well, it'd be really nice if we didn't have to get this tickets money out of our pocket right. to to do it. Yeah, we took it to somebody else's money and and do it. That feels weird to me. There's also things like it's like ten if you, in order to get a copy of one of the books, it's like ten dollars in order to back it, and it's like, it's not a very good incentive for people who, unless you have that just love and you just want it to back it to support it. For someone who's like, well, maybe I'll just use it as a pre-order system and I'll get the books early, you know, or I'll get the but, book, or but pay three times the cover to get mm. it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. or you know, because I, I, my idea was like, you know, I, I don't know how this model would work. I don't know about how business stuff like this works, but if you set up an early pre-order system and said, look, we're opening up pre-orders for this Jughead book by Chip Zdarsky and this Betty and Veronica book by Adam Hughes, if we get this many pre-orders for the book, it, it'll happen. If we don't, it just it, it's not going to happen because we're you know we're going to have to we, we just can't we can't put we can't take that yeah. risk right now. I think that sort of system where you kind of stay within the same like three ninety nine and you put your three ninety nine down and you see what happens. Um, if it doesn't go through, you get your money back. Same thing as Kickstarter, just like this is how it goes. I think people be like, oh okay, like that's an interesting way to go about doing this. I'm sure mm-hmm. they could have done that through previews. Yeah, like three months before the mm-hmm. reg- would have been solicited, you could say. Okay, here in the front, in the order form, mm. how many are going to fill out? And this yeah. will determine whether we do this book. Yeah, the stores would turn in their pre-orders. Yeah, it'd be interesting if, um, like, maybe creators or just publishers in general started to, I wouldn't say ma- like make more of an effort to promote their books and get pre-orders by creating like video content 
and like previewing things and actually showing you mm-hmm. what you'd be getting and pumping you up for the story and saying, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you want to get in on this, you know, click the link and go here and just like having, I don't, I know that people promote stuff through Twitter and, you know, retweets and all that stuff. But I mean, after you leave previews magazine, if you even pick it up at all, after you leave that magazine, it's like the last thing on your mind. Mm-hmm. Like you've got so many other things to contend with in your life that you're not really thinking about comic book pre-orders. But if there were something floating around where there was like, you know, a weekly show of a presentation of like, you know, you want to get in on this, this is going to be happening in a little while. We got these creators. It's very exciting. I mean, I know creators kind of change sometimes, mm-hmm. but then you can update. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe think outside the box a little yeah. bit. I mean, I think the fact that you still have to physically take a pen to paper to pre-order things yeah. is a little yeah. bit ridiculous. I mean, I send an email every month. Yeah. But, but I mean, yeah, even, yeah. even that, like there's no, there, like there's no like just form that you can like digitally fill out that goes, I want this, this and this repeat it. So it, you know, maybe it sends it to your comic book shop. That's fine. But you know, some sort of interface where you can go, okay, I want to get, you know, Batgirl every month. So just repeat it and just every month, mm-hmm. just send it in, in the form, <sighs> you know, uh, that would be, so much, I think, so much better that, than what they've got now. But it's a whole other story. And then what we're talking about here with this Archie thing. Uh, but I want to know what everybody else out there thinks. So if you guys, you know, podcast talkingcomicbooks.com, at talkingcomics on Twitter, facebook.com slash talkingcomics, let me know. Um, you know, I think that <laughs> the sentiment I usually have for this stuff, honestly, is look, if people don't want to fund it, they just won't fund it. Um, and, and I still think that's true. I don't, I don't think Archie should have been banned from doing this or anything like that. No. I just think that it's a philosophical conversation to have about what, sh- what what's the line for a publisher like Archie asking you to give them money to publish comic books. That, that's what I think the interesting question is for me uh, about all of this. If it were a startup company, yeah, I I'm think, a brand new yeah. comic book company. I'm trying to hire better artists and writers mm-hmm. and name creators. And where do I go with this interesting book I have? And I have nothing. Right. And you put out your pedigree, you worked at this, that company, you edited here or so on, and here are these creators, and we want to try to do this, create something brand new that's never been seen in comics. Mm-hmm. People would feel a lot differently about it than, yeah. well, here's Archie. Yeah. you got to feel like, is it Archie, as much as they might, they might say it, and, they, and it might be true, but Archie doesn't feel like the little guy. And no. so the per- and perception is very important in stuff like this. And the company that just signs a big deal with Walmart and Target, company that has a, you know, they have that TV thing going on where they're making that Riverdale TV mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't feel like you're a l- little guy. And the little guy doesn't have major TV deals and deals yeah. with major retailers. So uh, perception is everything. And, and then, of course, they don't want to talk about their financials. They shouldn't have to talk about their financials. But when you, once you once you open yourself to this kind of criticism, you got to be ready to deal with it. And I think that they've done a better job today doing it, but they 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 should I think so, someone there should have realized that there was going to be a, a pretty strong backlash to what they were doing. What uh, if their royalties involved to these creators? Well, they said they mentioned this. They they talked about this. John Goldwater talked about an interview with CBR today, and I didn't read the whole thing. We mentioned that like you know the, they have the standard like you know. You know, royalty mm-hmm. rates and everything like that. He's like, we don't talk about contracts, we don't talk about pay scales, but they they're getting the standard deal they would get if they were coming and writing the book. Okay. And so yeah, all, all that stuff is the same. Um, yeah. So that's the the Archie thing. Let's talk about Secret Wars, guys. Let's talk about it. Secret Wars number one. Hashtag TCBOTW. <laughs> <laughs> written by John. Sorry, 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 sorry. Written and designed mm. by Jonathan Hickman. Um, <laughs> art by Isad Ribic. Um, color artist by Ive 
Svorchina. Letter of Chris Iliopoulos. So, and a gorgeous, gorgeous cover by Alex Ross. Racking up the names today. Super gorgeous cover. And Bob has a variant cover in front of him here. Yes. Oh, you do? Amanda Connor. Look at that. Well, I have that one on the preview. Yeah. Somewhere. (laughs) Somewhere. Do you have both? Oh, you do? No, you don't. No, I have the... Yeah. You don't have the Alex Ross cover? Yes, I have it right there. Oh, on the pre on the previous yeah, thing, yeah. slick. Um, so Steve, yeah, you assigned it. I did. You're let's, welcome. Let's let's talk about it. What happened? Give us the 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 pitch. What happens? What what Secret Wars about? You don't have to go every plot detail, but overall, big picture. Okay, can I Secret ask a question first before we get into that? I hope I can answer it for you. Okay. How how are we going to handle spoilers for this? We're gonna do we'll do a spoiler section after we'll, we'll let everybody know and we'll do it. Um, okay. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So to catch you up on everything, New Avengers and Avengers, and apparently one issue of Ultimate Spider-Man, yeah, <laughs> um, and other stuff. Uh, Ultimate Fantastic Four, Ultimate uh, the Ultimates. Um, yeah. All right. So here's the deal. Uh, we've been, you know, joking and cackling for a few months that uh, time is going to run out. And uh, right now, with Secret Wars number one, time has very much run out. Um, after the Avengers have been involved in these world colliding, what they call incursions, of the mul- the Marvel multiverse and all these different worlds that exist, um, have basically been set on a collision course for the 616 universe, and they have tried, they have found ways to uh, kind of blow up and kill the other worlds before the collisions happen. Now, every time an incursion event um, comes up, it takes about eight hours for that incursion event to happen. Unfortunately, with uh, Secret Wars, time has kind of been this wibbly-wobbly thing for the past couple of months, and because of the repetition of these events, time has now kind of um, thinned out, and we're now heading for an incursion in less than one hour. And that starts Secret Wars, where you have two um, universes left. You have the 616 universe and the Ultimate Universe set on a collision course for one another. And it's a fight um, on both sides to survive. And each one kind of has their main player um, executing their various plans. And everybody thinks that they have the answer. Um, Not everyone is working together. And uh, some heroes are even having a really good time with the end of the world. <laughs> At least the Punisher is. Yeah. But um, that's pretty much the, the the setup. I mean, this is it. Like the you know they're they're revamping all of the Marvel U. We're getting into Battle World stuff. Uh, Post Secret Wars is supposed to you know be a fresh the the real fresh start. This is apparently a culmination of something like people said thirty years worth of stories. I don't, maybe, I don't know. Maybe Bob can attest to that, but certainly all the stuff that we've read, um, everything that Hickman has been working towards has been for this. Um, and I will say, you know, we, again, we joke around with, you know, well, this is going to change the Marvel universe forever. This is actually going to do that. The whole point of it is to do that. Um, so you got to kind of, you know, put your, your joking hat aside and put on your, your serious cap, and you got to read this thing as if this is the last, the, the gasping breaths of the Marvel universe. And it's pretty freaking intense. 
I'll say that much. Um, do you want me to give my impressions of it now? Yeah. Okay. I dug it. You assigned it, sir. I did. Um, I really enjoyed it. I I am concerned for like I still have so many questions, but I mean more so than anything. I, I just looking at it as a as a book that this is the kind of story that it is. It's a world ending story. It feels like a world ending story. We've been reading things for a long time that felt like it was always just a lead up to something else. You know, this with all the dominoes are in place and you pushed one over, you know, three years ago and now they're all kind of moving very fast and, you know, we're coming down to the last of the dominoes before the, the pattern is over. And I like the urgency of it. I like the idea that I open the book and I find out that there's like, it's not like, oh, you know, we've got eight hours and we've got this. We've got like less than an hour and that might not even be true because people lie. And there is weight and there there are huge, huge consequences and major things, uh, deaths happening that I'm questioning as to whether or not these are true deaths for the new universe or if there's like some kind of weird hook that we don't know about yet where people aren't necessarily dying but perhaps being transported. Um but I mean, in terms of, of like enjoyment and being caught up in it, I mean, I, I read through all of Avengers and New Avengers, and as far as this being the reward for having made that journey, it feels significant and it, it feels like a reward for doing all that stuff. Um, as far as it being a starting point for people, I don't necessarily know if it's going to be satisfactory for that in terms of coming in cold. Uh, my friend Chris actually returned to the comic shop for the first time this past week, specifically to pick this up. He has, he's has he been out of comics for like a year and a half. He had a ton of questions for me after reading this. And I was like, damn it. I was like, I was afraid of that. And, you know, if you can find like the last issue of Avengers and New Avengers, um, and maybe even the Zero before, um, you know, after you read this maybe, to kind of get a, a little bit more of a foothold. But um, just so much has happened. So much has happened. And everybody's scattered um, as far as layouts go, I mean, it's absolutely positively gorgeous. Um, I thought it was a little odd though, that we kind of lost the, the, the thread of which universe we're in. Um, like they announced it in the beginning, like you're in the ultimate universe and this is what they have going on and this is their plan. And then like, it never bothers to tell you that we're back in the 616, like you just kind of have to figure it out. And then all of a sudden they're both there and it's become this mishmash of like the battles already going on and both worlds are colliding and having to keep track of which version of which hero and which universe they're from and who they're fighting and whose side they're on can get very confusing. But I, I honestly, I think the whole thing's going to be like that. And that's something that you're just going to have to put the effort into, you know, understanding and, and parsing out for yourself. Um, but I mean, for somebody like me that I, I enjoy Hickman, I have been kind of waiting for secret wars. I'm one of the few people I know that's actually really excited about this event. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was really cool. So we have an interesting three people here to talk about this because uh, you have read all the Hickman stuff yes, and you dug it. 
Yeah. I'm not going to speak for Bob. I'm assuming he read all that and he didn't dig the issue. I'm just guessing. This is my this is my guess. We're going to hear him speak in a, in a, in a few moments. Uh, His lips are pursed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I stopped reading the Avengers stuff during Infinity. So mm-hmm. uh, after right after Infinity was over. So uh, for all kinds of purposes, I'm pretty much coming in pretty much cold. If, you know, um, I know what the incursions are, obviously, but other than that, I'm kind of very outside this whatever all the stuff that's happening in, in the book, and. Uh, so I, I, I have two tales to tell of, of, of reading the book. The first time I read the book and the second time I read the book today. So the first time I read the book, um, I was left feeling very cold. Um, and, and a few of my problems with the, the, that first read go into my second read as well. And I'll just go over the problems I think stuck and stayed, mm-hmm. which is that I feel like you mentioned the death stuff before. There's a bunch of deaths. They mean nothing. They mm-hmm. mean nothing. We know the world's getting rebooted. We we know that some of these characters that they even kill off are back. We and and if if we don't know they're back yet, they're gonna be back because they're 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 not characters that you're gonna reboot the universe without, right? Mm-hmm. So everyone who dies in this to me, it feels hollow to me. It feels just like a plot point. It feels like a device. And look, it, it by the time this is over, he might reveal that he's using those things to set up other things. All I can review is the first issue that that I read. So that's of. I won't say it bothered me, but it def- it didn't affect me in any way. Let's just say that. Um, um, I think that coming into it, uh, having not been caught up with that other Avengers stuff, um, having not not really been familiar with with the status quo in the Ultimate Universe, um, I felt very behind the you know behind the game reading mm-hmm. it. Um, I was overwhelmed by a lot of what was going on and not overwhelmed in that way where I was like, oh, I, I, I want to find out everything that's going on. Overwhelmed in that way where I felt like I was disengaging from it because I didn't know what was going on. <clears throat> but again, there's a lot of expectations wrapped up in something like this, right? I, I, I have ideas about what it's going to be. I have ideas about what I'm going to see. I see certain characters. I expect certain things. And it's you know it's partly on me that those characters that I expected from haven't been that way in a while, probably in the Avengers books. So I'm not ready for the way that they're behaving. That's what they do. I totally agree with you about the switching of the universes. There was definitely a time where a Tony Stark is talking to yeah. a Nick Fury, and I, I forgot about what happened to original sin because I never, I never read it. So I was like, I thought it was, I thought it was six one six Tony Stark talking to that Nick Fury to our Nick Fury, and then when like he starts fighting with Captain Marvel, I was like, what? Wait, what's going on? And yeah. so I, I got lost. Yeah. Um, there's also a couple things that happen um, that I just I don't. Maybe you're not supposed to understand them yet, but I, I don't know what's going on, and I, I feel like I didn't go, know what was going on because I was coming in not into Secret Wars number one, but to Avengers number forty-five. That's what mm. it felt like to me as as a reader. And, and I'm and I, I talked about that's the, fair. Talk about this, Justin. Yeah. I said I said for people who are reading the Hickman stuff, I'm sure that's great. You know that because that's what you want, right? You want to feel like the story that you're reading mm-hmm. is continuing. And the same thing when we were reading Infinity, I love the fact that I felt like I was reading a just bigger version of the Avengers story he was already writing. <coughs> so that's not that's not a overall critique. It's just a for me personally, I didn't like it. Here's where I'm gonna on my first read. Here is the angry thought I had, um, and I'm going to say something inflammatory right now. I'm, I'm telling everybody I'm saying something inflammatory mm-hmm. and I know I'm saying something inflammatory and I don't really mean it, but it's what I felt. When I finished reading the issue, I was like, okay, great. So my exit from the Marvel Universe is watching somebody 
self-masturbate himself of the the four years of work he's been doing on <laughs> on Avengers Fantastic Four. I have to see it's got to be his ego that has to be the thing that ends this universe and not like a, a story that everyone who reads Marvel books can enjoy. I, I really like I, I had that feeling like it's it sucked. It's not fair, you know that I I read a ton of Marvel books and this is this is the only thing going right now. You know this is this is it. Yeah, and it says Secret Wars number one. It's the end of the universe. You know, it's supposed to cap all this stuff and bring us home and then restart us. Um, you know, marketing isn't Jonathan Hickman's fault, but this idea that, like, this is going to be friendly for everybody. We're going to, we're in. Like, yeah. it's going to be this big, huge, fun thing. And I read this and I was like, I feel dis- detached and cold from what's happening here because I just don't, I don't get it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So that was like the big, like, angry thought I had in my head. And, I, I, and again, like I said, I'm not saying that it's true, but it's the, it was my my gut reaction to it. You're entitled. No, I know, but I'm just I want people to know that I'm not saying like I don't think that's an acceptable thing to say. You're not like, doing it to start a fire. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I'm saying it's like I had that feeling. I read it for the second time today, um, and I went into it going, you know what? <clears throat> don't read it grasping to know what's going on. Just try to read it as some big bombastic story and see how you come away from it. And thinking about it in that way, I came about I came out of it feeling much better about it, right? I came out of it like, okay, now that I'm not, I'm not I'm not trying to figure it out, I, I I start to see the panels better, and I start to see the evidence of characters doing things that I know that they do. I see I see heroism going on. There's stuff with Spider Man and Luke Cage and this stuff where and, and Iron Fist where they're doing things that are heroic and and, and there are actions and, and conversations that I enjoyed because I was not no longer like trying to force jackhammer my brain through what was going on in the story. And, and, and so I don't think those those plot things I talked about, those issues I talked about earlier before I went on my little tirade, they, they still exist for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, I did enjoy it much more on a second read, just sitting back and going, okay, l- let's just read the story for being epic. Stuff you don't understand, just move past it for now. Maybe you'll understand it, maybe you won't. But in the end, like, I'm really reading this to get to the other side more than I'm reading it right now to just take it in and, and, right. and, and see this culmination of something that I don't have an investment in. That's the, that's the thing. I'm not invested in Jonathan Hickman's Avengers, so the culmination of it does not, does not like, stir me in, in, in any way. Right. Well, that's, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting that, I mean, so much of it hinges on Avengers and New Avengers, but there are other things going on in this book um, like there's a um, there's a, like an like a X Men X aspect that's yes. happening in this book. I'm maybe like three issues behind on Uncanny X Men, maybe two issues, not not a lot. Um, I, I like that. Like what goes on in this book? I was like, what? Whoa, whoa, what? Like <laughs> okay? Like when did he? When did that happen? Like when did he get that? Yeah, I mean that's confusing. We'll talk about this stuff in spoilers talk. I want to give Bob a chance to talk about mm-hmm. overall impressions. That was actually one of the things that didn't bother me as far as understanding goes because like they explained it pretty well. They're like, this is what he's doing. This is what he is. Whatever. But Bob, I want to hear your impressions of Secret Wars. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Go next. Look, um, I slog through as people have heard. <laughs> 80-odd issues of mm. the Hickman Avengers, and I love his Fantastic Four. I loved his Secret Avengers before, and I have no great attachment to this either. I have to say, I, when I read it the second time, I felt a little better about it, but then I read it a third time, and I went back to being angry. 
I found it needlessly confusing if you even read the things. Mm. Here, here's the deal. I think, though, if you love bombast mm-hmm. and it is deep and edgy and the art is done well and so on so as when watching a transformers movie there are people who like those and you'll like this <laughs> wow. for me i felt it was oppressive and gloomy and shorn of a lot of heroism because they're not doing much my favorite moment of the whole thing is Wil- wilson fisk sending out tweets and texts to, <laughs> to have a party watching you know, the end yes, of the world. Yes. And that's hysterically funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are characters that have been, as I've complained about through all of this, that weren't acting as I thought they would. I initially thought his use of the Illuminati, mm-hmm. interesting, and that fell apart for me 20-odd issues ago. As these grandly heroic characters acted like schmoes. <laughs> and not in a way I'd expect even allowing for the end of the world is coming. I expect these characters to do something different than what they're doing here. And the people who acted most in character were the villains. The, the cabal who did, did well, the heck with that. I'll, we'll, we'll go wreck every place because yeah. we want to be here. Yeah. And that was kind of fun. And there was some interesting stuff with Namor and all that sort of... There are so many characters here that, as you were describing, panels of things, that's what they... Everyone gets a panel, mm-hmm. kind of. Yeah. And I, we'll, we'll go more deeply into this. I, I was left feeling just very sad at the end of this, mm. more than anything else, sort of, I don't want to say betrayed, because I, there was no way to be jolted anymore. We all knew this was coming. Right, yeah. But I'm just sort of let down that in the same way I was when the crisis happened all those years ago mm. you know, for DC, where it was unnecessary. There was, it was a change happening. It was, oh, people are confused. I'm confused now. <laughs> I, I've read these books for 50-some-odd years. I had no trouble keeping straight who was where and why and how, and it didn't matter how many extra Earths that Claremont and Alan Davis added in. I don't care. I was having fun. And this, not, this is, fun is not a word I would use here. <laughs> See, Bob's been a curmudgeon always since like 1984. Yeah, 84, 85, 86. The Secret Wars is what, 84, 85 yeah, when, yes. when that came in? and yeah. that, But even that, then was stupid mm-hmm. <laughs> but no it was and, yeah. and, and some d- disembodied force captures a whole bunch of superheroes so they can fight with each other mm-hmm. okay look it sold toys yeah. it's where it's it jim shooter found the dark side and things went I, it, you could make a point that the first secret wars was the start of everything really getting to go bad in comics it became events and stuff and secret wars is one is better than secret wars two <laughs> You know, that was certainly what one can say. I am I have to read another issue to see what just happened. Mm-hmm. And then I'm probably done. So, I will say, it's more intelligent than a Transformers movie. <clears throat> it has more words in it. No question about <laughs> He's definitely that. working in a more... I, you know, I... Before we get into... Because we will get into spoiler stuff about it. Um, and this is kind of the last thing we're going to talk about majorly. So if you guys are worried about missing a bunch of stuff for the show, you're, you're not. We're, this is this is kind of yeah. our last big topic of the show. Finale. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, Bob, did you pick out a book yet for next week? I have two that I'm thinking about. Okay, so before we go to spoilers, just so we know, we're, we'll go over okay. that stuff so people don't have to worry okay. about missing that if they're listening to the show. So we're not doing spoilers yet, though. Um, you know, for me, uh, there uh, there is stuff for me that I, I like here. And... 
there's 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 a couple mystery aspects of it that I find sort of engaging. You know, like um, the whole thing about the, the life raft, right? Where the hell is it going? Because mm-hmm. if all the universes are destroyed, where is it going? Well, now you we're dealing with Valeria and Reed, and they've found lots of other right. So this is what I mean. Universes. That's back to FF stories. Yeah. yeah. But so for me, like I don't know what's going that, yeah. what's going on there. So stuff like that. Like I, initially, I was kind of bothered by that, and now I'm kind of more on the side. Like, oh, that's interesting to me at least. Like I don't know where they're going, so I have that kind of carry mm-hmm. me through to see what's happening. You know, <clears throat> I for the life of me have no effing clue what's going on with the. Ultimate Reed Richards and the the builder and the, the maker the maker and the, he is the maker. Ultimate Reed Richards yeah. is the maker, but then there's the city, um, which mm-hmm. is like the big baby face robot thing. Yeah. Um, Says Jarvis. I have no idea what's going on. I don't know what they're building. I don't know what they unleash at, at that certain point. Um, so like, and and that's sort of in- interesting to me. Like, I don't know what when, whenever like I don't know what's going on in that way. That I find kind of engaging to me. You know, uh, so there's definitely stuff here. But, 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 and I did love that Punisher scene is probably my favorite scene in the entire book because mm-hmm. it just feels so different than the rest yes. of it. Um, and, and it's nice to have that kind of change up sometimes. Like, even if I had loved the story and everything about it, those kind of change ups are really nice in stories. And Meanwhile, they, in Hell's Kitchen, they do a really good job yeah. of it, you know, and it gives you more of like this like, this guy's just always going to do exactly what he is in his heart to do which is just to kill bad guys like that's what he's gonna do and it doesn't matter if the world's exploding he's what am i gonna do with these bullets yeah exactly he's I all love, out of bubble gum yeah i love that idea you know i love the idea that he that that he that that to me speaks to hickman understanding that character and i and i like that about it um yeah you know my biggest issue my honestly my biggest issue with the whole thing is just that i think playing around with the deaths it ju- it doesn't feel it feels not. I don't even say cheap to me because I don't even think he's going for like the last one is supposed to be something emotional. He goes for like a moment with that that, that thing, but all the rest they don't. They're not emotional moments. They're just you know they're casualties. They're just casualties. <coughs> and obviously, some of these characters are in movies. These characters are not going away, right? Um, so it just feels like okay, we uh, we'll take them out for now, and then they'll they'll come back later. And and he doesn't say that, but. It's obvious that's what that's what's happening. If you say a reboot's coming, when people get a- axed, it doesn't it doesn't make you think like, oh no, they're gone. You think like, oh, I, when are they coming back? Because they obviously are. Suddenly, the final page of Silk Number Three doesn't make any sense. Run that by me again. I have the, to. I have to. The final page. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know what I'm talking right, about. Yeah, I don't want to yeah, spoil it for yeah. anybody. Well, we get it, but again, that's what I mean by the disconnect when you're reading Marvel books that are published mm. right now is that it feels weird because. This is going on, and this is taking over the entire universe. This is not just like an event. This is this is the end of the Marvel universe. So what's you know what what what? How do these books exist and and all that kind of stuff? But that's again like, that's a whole. We're gonna pick up books tomorrow, and it's gonna be like a nice sunny day. Yeah, well, I mean, there's but there's still a bunch of books. That there's Daredevil's got to finish off. There's you know books that are gonna have one or two issues left before they even hit like their Secret Wars. I think stuff. Rocket Raccoon ended. It I did. I read yeah because I, I read eleven. And it said the end. Yeah. At the end, that it had a promotion for the new group book. Yeah. And I was like, oh. Yeah. 
I, mean, I was really enjoying this. I mean, it might still come back. Who knows? We don't yeah. know what the full publishing schedule is. We actually don't know any of the publishing schedule after. Uh, I'm sure that Rocket will be a will be a if not the primary, then a supporting character in Groot because that whole damn book can't just be I am Groot and that's it. <laughs> Unless it is, then that's fucking brilliant. So, uh, and I do think like I think I said Rebic does does really good art. I think that. The one weakness, and one of our listeners pointed this out, and it's absolutely true. Some of the the mouths when they're screaming look ridiculous. <laughs> you want mouths? They're, Read Civil War. They look like plastic screaming <laughs> mouths. Um, but uh, I do think that he does epic stuff really, really well. Um, his, his work on Thor: God of Thunder w- w- was breathtaking. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I'm, I have don't not really many complaints about. Um, I, I think that he does a very good job. There are, I think, some confusing <laughs> moments in it, but I don't know if that's because of him or just because the story. The story itself is about worlds crashing into each other, so they start to blend. So what's I, I don't know if I can blame him for me not always knowing where everybody yeah. is at every time. Um, Extra rivets on Iron Man's armor, though, so I can figure out which one is yes, which. Exactly. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. <laughs> well, I know someone had mentioned that. I think it was Justin mentioned that. They put Iron Man in this book in different armor than he's been wearing in the Ultimate Universe now because the Ultimate Universe armor that he wears now is much more like regular Iron Man looking armor. So they put something a little older on him so huh. it was a little bit easier, but it still confused yeah, me I... because I'm not reading Iron Man right now, so I don't know what the hell Tony's armor looks like. Isn't he the ultimate? Or no, he's the superior, superior Iron Man. Yeah. He's, he's, he's got white, that, right? like, that liquid okay, armor yeah, that okay. wraps around him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Steve, any more non-spoilerly thoughts you want to share before we uh, move on? Isad Ribic draws the best explosions. There's nice <laughs> explosions in this book. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, you both bring up a lot of very, very uh, solid points. Um, but it, it's still hearing all of it doesn't, doesn't take away from my excitement. I'm, I'm, I've come around to the idea of kind of rebooting things like the idea that we're getting after convergence, we're getting a slew of new DC books that are very varied in their presentation. Old characters are coming back. Fresh artists are coming in to me. That's really exciting. I like a lot of the concepts coming out of the Secret War announcements. There are like, the Runaways are coming back by Noel Stevenson, led by Valerie Richards. Come on, like that's for me. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I do not think it's perfect. Once we get into a little bit of spoiler territory, I'll go through a few of my my issues. Um, but I mean, as far as it being inclusive, no. It's it's we always say it's really hard to bring people that aren't reading into something so huge. And I mean, this just goes to prove the point. Yeah. You know, I, I will say, I, and I'll say like for me personally, like my, my problem with it isn't the event nature of it. It's that it's the fact that I don't feel included in what's happening. So it's tough for me in that mm-hmm. spot. And mm-hmm. we have some listeners who will read their tweets out before we go to the spoiler talk, which were in my position, but then ended up really loving it. So there's a lot of varied, you know, things. And I think we have three, like three gradations of opinion here, yeah. right? It's like you, you loved it. Yeah, um, you're in totally on it, which is awesome. Oh yeah, I'm in 100. percent I'm like so so on it, and Bob is not very happy. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, oh, apparently I have to. According to several of our our Twitter followers, I need to give you a hug before I leave tonight. Okay. <laughs> but I do agree with you, Steve. That I I am excited to see what comes of the end of this. Like I want to see if we can get a more inclusive. If we get a bunch of books, a bunch mm-hmm. of books like the all new, all different Avengers stuff that we read in that in that preview issue. Yeah. Once we're done with all this stuff, like I think we could be in in the in line for some really good stuff. I know, but to me, I don't think you had to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, you I, could I have still had that. the all new, all different Avengers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. not lost. Yeah. I mean, we'll all see. This hist- like, and it's seventy five years of Marvel history. Yeah. Their universe 
never wavered, yeah. never changed from Professor Horton in Marvel Comics number one. Yeah, that's gone. But we don't. But th- here's the thing about it: is like I feel like uh, there, that says in this book, where there's a big like there's like a basically a gravestone page in this book. But mm-hmm. if you read all new, all different Avengers, they're talking about like they call it some sort of era. I don't remember what they called it. Where they named the Avengers. I feel like I feel like most of it. I feel like a lot of it's going to be gone or changed or mm-hmm. but I, I, I don't think they're getting rid of all of it I, I just have a feeling because of what I've read <coughs> and that and that um that comment by uh Will Wilson she talked about she tweeted about the the after the after the reboot of the universe and she had to come back and say I, I didn't mean to, I meant to say relaunch not not reboot so there's some they, I feel like they've backed off a little bit on their kind of extreme mm-hmm. language. So mm-hmm. I want to. I'm interested to see how, what what comes after this all. Over. Here's the thing. Like for me, like I know the why. I've been reading all the stuff. Mm-hmm. I know the why. I'm very interested in figuring out the how. At this point, how are they going to do that? How are they going to you know reboot or relaunch or whatever they want to say? Um, everything. Everything that I've read. I I want that those last few pieces of the puzzle mm-hmm. i can't have a puzzle in front of me and there's like one missing piece no absolutely not i think that for what they've set up they had to they have to give you this finale to what hickman's doing for for two and a half years yeah no absolutely i mean like again so it, it, i think this book is going to be divided on very in very strong lines because of what how people feel about and, and how invested they are in, mm-hmm. in the hickman avenger stuff i'm just i'm glad that for for me personally i can't speak for everyone but i'm glad that when reading it, that the the scale of it feels like what we've been told we were going to get. That mm-hmm. finally some event comes along where the statements that they made about it feel true. Mm-hmm. So, all right, cool, yeah. cool. Um, so we got we got a lot of responses. Um, definitely, I think our our biggest response to a, a Todd Comics book of the week. Yeah. Um, this is from Chris, and he says it's it is at huge tiny mistake. <laughs> uh, Secret Wars rules is, is his tweet. Um, this is from at Mac the Cat eighty two. I'm not reading Avengers, so I found Secret Wars hella confusing. Perhaps I should do a reread. Looking forward to talking comics. Um, at J Query says Secret Wars is simply mythic. Rivik's art is like a tapestry, delivering each devastating moment with epic grandeur and impact. Um, at Sprayberry eighty eight says epic. This is the Jonathan Hickman I know and love. Here's hoping the rest of Secret Wars is as good as the first issue. Um, at just drew VG says love secret wars, but felt the impactful ending was slightly cheapened, uh, by the uncanny inhumans preview. So it goes right from like, this is the end of the universe to a preview for a new comic book that's coming out <laughs> after it, which I think is an interesting, interesting thing. Um, I think just jumping yeah, on that yeah. real quickly, every Hickman book for the last three years has had a recap, a couple of pages yeah. of what happened before. Here we don't get that when it really new readers really could use it, yeah. but instead we get eight pages of Inhumans. Yes, I know. <laughs> well, I opened that page, and you know it's like the diagram of everybody who's in it. I yeah. was like, oh, simple. This is yeah. easy to remember. Figure this out. Yeah. Um, I, I, I tell one thing I do like about it. Before we, I'm excited about whatever the Doctor Doom of this of the whole situation is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the one thing I, I'm interested in. Uh, at the Brad Pinder says, I love Secret Wars. It's a book that has legit jeopardy for the characters. Things can actually change with the mixing of the two worlds. Um, his, his Secret Wars speculation. Ultimate and 616 Rogers merge. Ultimate body, 616 mind. Younger, stronger, faster cap with 616 empathy. Um, this is a, a, 
Andre Gurdjik, and he says the story is Super Smash Brothers in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> but I love Croatians. I love the Croatians' art. Long live, long live Isad Ribic. Um, uh, <laughs> this is at Hubert, who's at uh, Stimuli File. Says not sure what the hell is happening in this comic, but she sure is purdy. Um, <laughs> at DF two five zero six says good and depressing story fantastic artwork i liked it um at uh, mr thompson nine says lost me a relative newcomer to be fair um towards the end but the gravestone page at the end are epic i don't i i are epic enough i don't mind there we go um bat fawn says read some avengers so get it feels like all bets are off expecting twists and mind bending great opening issue um at Tetrick U-T-R-H says, first event I'm following from the start and I loved it. The Punisher scene was epic and love seeing heroes team up. Um, Infinity Watcher is the one who, sorry, had a, had a good start. I'm definitely in, but those blow-up doll mouths are ridiculous. <laughs> and he tweeted like four <laughs> pictures of, of, of them. Um, at Sammy Cassell says, at, um, as a Marvel and an event guy, I'm not sure how I feel about Secret Wars. Read it twice. I'm in, but not sure why yet. Um... At Dr. Mo 77 says, good popcorn uh, comic, especially if you're coming off an Avengers Age of Ultron high. However, it may be difficult to follow if, if you're not following Hickman's FF and Avengers runs. If you're a loss, I suggest using your favorite search engine. Um, Sammy Cassell, another tweet says, nice action, kind of starting in the middle. Beautiful book by Yusef Ribic. A little lost. Um, let's see. Connor Blake says, I loved it, but having followed the Avengers books, I can only imagine how lost you'd be with this if you hadn't. Um, at H underscore pause says, Oh, Bob, I think you'll need a, you'll be in need of a hug after reading Secret Wars number one <laughs> when go. I get there in October. Um, Thank you, Hugh. Uh, uh, my name is Jeff, who's at The Walking Will, says, I love it. Haven't read too much Marvel, but knowing the basics, it was easy to follow. Only thing that confused me was Ultimate Read. <coughs> at Joey Bracino says, Desperation. This End Times event comics done right. Reading Heckman stuff enriches, yes, but, 100% man- but not 100% mandatory. Also would have liked more throwback, illusion, character stuff to honor Marvel Universe, but that may be what Last Days is for. Um, also, also, Doom saved everything. Calling it now. Classic Doom. Hashtag TCBOW. Um, Maria Norris says, in my words, in, in words, not my style of comics is about the event, not the characters. Um, even though I read all of Hickman's Avengers and New Avengers, and it still felt rushed plus messy, I admire the scale and the ambition of it, but just like most of it, not my style of comics. Uh, prioritizing plot over characters is also central in his Avengers run, so I'm not surprised. Um, she says, also, can you please give Bob a hug for me? It's <laughs> <laughs> turning into a thing. Um, uh, at uh, Liberal Bastion says, fell off the, lab- the Labyrinthine Hickman Avengers books. Secret Wars was, I don't know, can we get Mark Wade now? I guess overall <laughs> I didn't like Secret Wars. First issue should make me interested. It just made me, huh. So thank you guys so much for that. Things that make you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. That's our closing music. I think. Um, CNC music. All right, Pop. What do we? So thank you so much. TC hashtag TCBOTW. You'll do that for next week's book of the week, and what will that be? Well, how are we on the dark horse front? What do you mean can as far we, as review copies? Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, definitely. Well, I, th- I'm thinking then. I had two choices. One was Injection Number One by Warren Ellis and Declan Shelby. But what I... Steve's shaking his head. Why are you shaking your head? I have no idea. I actually... That's on my pull list. Okay. I don't know why. Uh, Is that Dark Horse or Image? That that's one's image. image. Okay. So that was... that was Okay. I'm thinking Harrow County by Cullen Bunn. Yes. <laughs> what is this? Harrow County. It's horror. It's about an 18-year-old girl who... 
lives in a house and outside in the woods are zombies and monsters and all sorts of things. And she discovers, I think it's on that birthday, that there's a connection. Sweet. Yeah, he's been talking about that book for a while and it looks... Really, really good. I'm, I'm excited about I'm it. I'm gonna see if I can. Harrow County. Yeah. Harrow. H a r r o w County. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, Tyler Crook is the artist. Yes. Of it as well. Cool. Um. Yeah. It looks really, really cool. See, see there's some interior stuff right there. Ooh. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh wow, the art is really cool. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Good. Good choice, Bob. So we're going to do Harrow County by Cullen Bunn and Tyler Crook for next week. Dark Horse, publisher? Dark Horse. Okay. Um, so send your thoughts in, guys. Hashtag TCBOTW uh, to at Talking Comics on Twitter. Um, if you guys haven't read Secret Wars and you don't want to be spoiled on stuff that happens, now's the time to tune out. It's not going to be a very long section, but still, we're going to kind of go right from that till the end, to the end of the show. So unless you guys just want to know that, you know, you follow us at Talking Comics on Twitter um and you know stuff like that mm-hmm. which i think is probably all information that you guys already know if you're listening to the show uh you guys tune out now and we'll see you next week um for another episode of talking comics but if you're sticking around let's talk a little bit about the the minutia of secret wars the stuff that you know maybe what, the questions that are raised the the deaths that happen that are probably not permanent stuff like that so this is your last chance spoilers from here on in all right so Secret Wars number one. Um, so, I guess I guess the biggest thing that happens right is the ending, right? That's the thing that that is is kind of emphasized the most, which is um, <clears throat> the, the kind of life raft, the, uh, the and the the humanity restarting crew uh, gets taken out on on its way mm-hmm. to to the raft, and so uh, in what, what I think is one of the stronger aspects of the story. Um, the manifold part of it, which I think is very interesting and cool, and that's a character that that I I, I really like um, from the Hickman stuff I have read. Basically, brings together. I, I don't know if it's random. It seems a little bit random. The here a bunch of heroes together onto the life raft mm-hmm. to kind of repopulate humanity mm-hmm. after the scientists have gotten blown to smithereens. Yes. in the ship piloted by Black Natasha. Widow. Yeah. yeah, Natasha and Spider Woman's in the yeah. ship as well. Um, which again, that's why I'm saying that, that they're not really dead because there's no way Natasha is dead. It's just not. It's not going to happen. Right. Um, and so, we, so basically, it just turns into a bunch of heroes and and. Uh, they're kind of on their way out of the universe into some pocket universe or wherever they're going. Ship gets struck, uh, and Sue and I guess it's Franklin and Valeria and Johnny and Ben and Johnny yeah. and Ben are also in there. I, I couldn't tell from from what what, uh, mm-hmm. what what the situation was. Basically, all the Fantastic Four except for Reed um, end up in this kind of broken off section, which Sue is holding together with with her her kind of invisibility barrier, and you know until she can't until she can't anymore. Which considering that way back. Her powers were such she could hold a force field around the entire city of Manhattan while it's <laughs> flying through space. When Terex has it floating above, yeah, we don't know. We don't. All other thing too is the other part of it is, and this is what I want to talk about the the kind of the, the time around this mm-hmm. thing is because I I think it's unclear in the art to me anyway. And I, I don't know what you guys think whether or not <clears throat> she can't hold it anymore. Or they get transported somewhere because the way in which the the art is, the art is kind of reflected. You kind of see it breaking apart from the inside, not from the outside. Because when you just look, you see this. Mm. Next time he sees him, it's kind of like disappearing into nowhere. There's no explosion. There's a boom. Yeah, but that could be uh, some kind of teleportation because it, it does. It looks like it's kind of breaking apart. Yeah, and maybe because 
I mean, they don't use the same like visual cue. Like mm. earlier in the book, I guess people are being transported to the raft. Certain yeah. heroes are disappearing, mm. and it's interesting to look at who gets an outline and who doesn't. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's the thing. Like, I don't. When that happened, it's like you said. Like you weren't really affected. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't feel anything. There's earlier on in the book, uh, Rocket Raccoon gets uh, lasered down as well. Yeah. And I mean, he is, in that next part, he is very much dead. Yes. <laughs> um, tongue hanging out, his stomach open, like he's gone. But there's, again, there's no way. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some kind of a reset. You yeah. Know, some, we know that already, obviously. Uh, yeah. The line of dialogue, though, from Carol is, they're gone, the section just splintered into, oh, God. Right. Yeah, and I, again, I'm not saying the ship goes anywhere, but I'm saying, mm-hmm. kind of, they go somewhere. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't feel to me like a, a death scene. You know, it feels to me like Reed is reacting that way because Reed doesn't know any better. But I just, I, well, did. I didn't either. I felt that way and yeah. I felt outraged. Yeah, I mean, and the other thing too, because the other thing part of me too is like, yeah, I mean, Hickman has his things, right? But Hickman has written those characters very well, and he wrote them very well for a long time. They're also their book isn't coming back. The way the other ones. Well, are. That, that that we know of yet. I, we don't know how they're coming back. Yeah, we, we have a movie in between. Right, but I don't. But again, I think the way Marvel's treated the situation with the movie, I don't think Marvel's looking to ape the movie because of the way that they've kind of dealt with that situation. Um, I don't think they're looking to. I think they wanted to go exactly the opposite. I I think once that movie comes out in a couple of months, you'll get the announcement for a new Fantastic Four book, and we'll see them again. There's no because there's no way they're gone for good. I mean, it's just not going to happen. Um, and, and I don't think they kill off six characters you know five characters in in one panel of the first issue of an event book i just don't i just don't see it going out that way um and we because we already know valeria is going to end up in runaways right so she's not gone you know plus they've got the most powerful mutant in 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 in, in the universe are they being like that my thing is theory is that they're just the different parts of battle world that they end up with how it's all broken up into different sections yeah that they're ending up in whatever section they've been designated for Mm -hmm. for the future of the Marvel universe yeah that's what i think too that's my that's what i think anyway again we don't know obviously um yet but uh i mean that kept a miserable time i was having reading this book to that point right that didn't make things any better oh no i figured it's not i I mean not as much i mean you have to you have to at least wonder i'm trying because i'm trying to appreciate the story and you know in some time, some ways it doesn't work but the reads like the emotions if he carries like, regardless of whether they survive or not the events happening around them are so catastrophic that it will have an impact on who they become in the next iteration of the universe like if they carry these memories of this horrific world ending event with them into the new world when they find each other in the next iteration of the marvel universe it will be this, you know, emotional, crazy right. thing. But do we know that they bring over no, any memories? We no, don't. we don't. If you go by the crisis stuff, then they're, they're, they wouldn't, right. right? It would be, there'd be like vestiges somewhere, but it wouldn't be something that mm-hmm. they would just go with. Um, so we don't know yet. Again, that's a part of the thing too, right? We don't know where this is all going. So I, I think it's tough um, reading it, but I tend to think of it because of what's happening after it. I tend to think of it like, like Flashpoint in a lot of ways. Things that like, Hmm. They're just trying out to try them out because they can do it now because all bets are off because they're going to be able to hit the reset button after this. So they can play, they can do things they wouldn't normally be able to do because they have a fresh start coming. And that's what I, that's how I feel about it. I feel like that's why they're do. that's why he's just like, 
picking off characters left and right because he knows I might as well do it now because I'm, I, it's the only time I'm ever going to be able to do this because they're bringing it all back anyway. Mm-hmm. So I get to at least play a little bit. That's what it felt like to me anyway. Um, I could be totally wrong. And then I'd also be upset about a lot of stuff that's happening here. Are you caught up with Uncanny X-Men? I'm not. No, I'm not. And, that, and, that, and I, it also felt weird to me. That felt weird to me. Only, the Sentinels part didn't feel weird to me because that feels like that's something that Scott would try to do to try to prevent them getting killed by the Sentinels would be mm-hmm. to take them over. That seems like a natural extension to me. Um, the Phoenix thing, I don't necessarily... I mean, I guess I could buy it if you think it's, he's going to save the world doing it. Um, but after what happened in Avengers versus X-Men, which has been kind of... The follow-up from that has been basically... That yeah. has informed that entire series. It feels like that would be a really like last-ditch thing that he would do. And he doesn't seem so broken up about doing it when he does it in this issue. Um, again, I'm behind on the Kenny X-Men, so I don't know what's happened, how we've progressed to this point. So I don't want to say it's totally out of character, it's coming out of nowhere, because I don't know. Do right. do I not, like, I mean, I, I don't know a whole lot about how the Phoenix stuff works. I saw it in Avengers vs. X-Men, but there's eggs? I don't know. Like, he just has, like, like I'm saying, I'm not that far behind in the mainline X-Men books. Where has he been hiding this? When the hell did he get it? Well, this feels like a new thing to me. I mean, it feels like it, maybe it happens in the last issue or the last two issues or something. I suppose. Yeah. This is but the repository of the Phoenix Force after it got out of the five from... That's what it yeah. seems like to me. It seems like a collection of the Phoenix Force. Because, I mean, the point of the Phoenix, right, is it dies and then it becomes, it's reborn. So it was always going to come back. I just... Yeah. This was... So, again, that's another thing that I'm kind of intrigued by. Like, what does this mean? Because he gets transported onto the ship. With with them. Well, he he's going through the Phoenix process, and halfway through the process, he gets beamed out of it mm-hmm. and comes out kind of like half baked. Yeah, half birded. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so I just don't know. Like I don't know what it's going to be. Um, those are some interesting stuff. I didn't get. Again, there there are a couple like as, the the book is long, but there there are times where I feel like there are still wasted pages. Like the whole thing with like throwing the Hulk through the building in the Ultimate Universe, it was it looks really cool, don't get me wrong, and it's a cool scene, but why? Because it doesn't do anything. It doesn't stop anything. What are, they're like, oh, the, the, the attacks are coming from that building. <clears throat> they all know the world's ending. Like, all of them yeah. know that, the, the, all the 616 know, right, that the impression I got was that they weren't lying to anybody. They knew this was the end. Right? They knew that, because it, it, I, I, the last... I mean, I read up on some of the stuff. Doesn't Black Panther like walk in and be like, "Goes to the president"? Yeah, your yeah. world's over. Like it's over. There's no saving anybody. So yeah, we'll, we'll reassure the populace. No, don't bother. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So again, like they know the world's done. Yeah. So, so going through a, a hole in a yeah. wall, big deal. Cool, but I don't understand why it happens. She in the panel you're talking about where it's She-Hulk and the Hulk after he comes off the building. She-Hulk totally has like a love that Joker yeah. face. Yeah. On. <laughs> yes, she does. She does. Um, but there's little panels. Like, I, I love this little panel of, you know, Luke and Iron Fist helping this little boy out from underneath the rubble. Mm-hmm. Like, little stuff like that. I, I, I wish I, I had seen more than that. But, again, it's like, with a story this big, there he doesn't really seem concerned with that stuff, especially in this first issue. But who knows? Who knows what happens going forward? Again, I, I will never con- I'll never condemn something off a first issue, but it didn't make a great impression on me. I don't know if there's any other spoilery stuff we wanted to talk about. Um, nah, I, I really don't think so. I, there were just a little few key things I didn't want to spoil for people. Well, go the, ahead. The death. No, no, no. We talked about them already. Okay. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. All right. I'm flipping through now. I don't really see much. Yeah. Much. So much of like what I'm unsure of 
oddly enough, isn't so much in the writing, but it's in the art. And like we mentioned the whole thing with the 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 uh the rescue pod or or the raft kind of like dissipating rather than like what happened it got struck by lightning like we don't know i there's a there's a panel towards the end here with what looks like both of the worlds colliding with one another mm-hmm. like did we we already we did that yeah now? it's over it's over I mean, that's what it says at the yeah. end it says it's you know it's right. marvel universe that white fades into the tombstones yeah so then yeah. what the hell like i that's see this is what's getting me is like today you know the the issue number two is on sale what what the hell is it going to be? We don't know. And that's, that, yeah, but that's what's going to get me to buy it. That's what <laughs> keeps me interesting is the how is this happening and how are we going to salvage stuff from it? Absolutely. I mean, and there's stuff too, like even if Sue and them do kind of bust out into this void, we don't know what this void is, what it means. Right. You know, I mean, the last thing we see of it, right, is Doom's eyes in the white in, in, in the field. So if Doom is surviving in there, why can't they? Like what's happening? We, we don't know. So th- some of the, like there, there's, it's weird because there's half of secret wars. The mystery behind it makes me want to read more. And the other half of the mystery makes me never want to read it again. It's like this weird, <laughs> yeah. it's this weird pull for me, you know, where it doesn't all have that. Like, oh, I, I, I want to dig at it. It has some of it, but not all of it. But that's, that's just for me. It's just me. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephanie's not here, but I will just quote her. Okay. Unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Stephanie. <laughs> And that's going to do it for the yeah. Talking Comics podcast uh, for this week. If you guys want to get in touch with us, it's at Talking Comics on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Talking Comics podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com is the email address. Um, please go to TalkingComicBooks.com for all the columns, reviews, and bevy of podcasts. The Misfits with Mara Wood, Melissa Megan, and Stephanie Cook. Um, we've got Talking Movies with Brian Verderosa, Chris Oliphant, and Nick Scalia. Uh, they just reviewed that Kurt Cobain documentary. Montage of Heck. Montage of Heck that was on mm-hmm. HBO this week. And next week they'll have their Mad Max Fury Road yes! uh, review. Looks so good. looking forward to that. Me too. Sunday night, um, Lauren and I are going. Join us. Oh, cool. Huh. Awesome. Yeah. We'll, we'll be in touch. All right. Um, Which theater? We'll figure it out. Okay. <laughs> um, we've got, of course, Talking Valiant with Adam Shaw. Um, we've got... Then they just have their anniversary, or is that coming? That's coming up. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We've got Talking... Uh, games yeah i almost said talking comics talking games yeah. we yeah. also have talking comics but you know about that joke yeah. listening to it uh talking games steve say justin towns and jackie turner and rob newmeyer are you guys all on the show this week i'm back okay yeah. i'm back baby and i'm hosting is the full <laughs> cast yep nice yep. all right uh we're gonna be real quick rundown we're gonna be talking about uh universal announced that they're gonna be incorporating nintendo into their theme parks mm. we're gonna uh talk Ooh. about what we think about that and possible ideas for attractions um, Bloodstained, the ritual of the night, the people that made uh, Ego, who made Castlevania, the 2Ds, coming back with a ridiculous Kickstarter that has already made $1.5 million overnight. And we're going to be talking about the new Assassin's Creed um, the Syndicate. Syn- syndicate. syndicate yeah. That's it. Mm. London. London. Assassin's Creed London. In- Industrial Revolution London. Wow. You know, the Assassin's Creed game that every couple of weeks they announce another one. This, yeah. is, this is the new one. <laughs> I bet you you have to chase people. And yep. you also have to follow them at a frustratingly far distance. Interesting, interestingly enough, I did not see any like cuff blades or whatever They'll of any there. sort. They'll be there. I know, but there was a lot of fisticuffs going on. There'll be some cuff blades. <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe sword canes if it's... Maybe, oh, yeah, that would yeah. be cool. 
That would be cool. Bloodstain probably will have one of those. They do have sword whips. Yeah, yeah definitely. Definitely. Sword whips. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a really good show. You guys should check it out. Um, and of course, a special edition feed, which has backup stories and comics and coffee on it. Um, Bob, do you have anything to talk about before we get out of here? Nope. Really? Really? Are you going to just say it? You're going to come up with something after I? Nope. You're going to ask you? Okay. Uh, nope. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Bobby Shortle. Steve. I'm at dead underscore anchorus. Stephanie is at hello cookie and Bob, your um, email address. Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's going to do it for our show this week. Uh, next week, you couldn't do it this week because of the scheduling stuff. Hopefully, we'll have Jerry Conway on next week. Mm. Um, we definitely, definitely want to talk to him. Um, and uh, yeah, we got some. It, it's it's a it's a weird couple of weeks because we're kind of in the middle of movie times for us. So we've we, we, you know if you guys have any ideas for topics, let us know. We'd we'd love to hear about them. Um, sometimes you know it's it's we like to talk about the books. We like to come out, but sometimes you know when you're doing it for four <laughs> years, sometimes you just start you start repeating yourself. Yeah. <laughs> So come up with the topics for us. Uh, if Bob doesn't have anything, I do. What's up? Uh, a special edition is coming up. It's true. It's less than a month. Yeah. So if you guys plan on going to New York uh, special edition, be sure to let us know. Um, are you going? Yes, I'm going to be there Sunday. Cool. I think. Bob? Sunday. Both days. Okay. Yeah. So Bob and I will be there both days. Uh, Bobby will be in attendance and uh, you know a bunch of our writers and friends and stuff like that. So if you want, uh, reach out to us and we'll uh, try to meet up and say hello. Yeah. And uh, oh, Joey got back to us on, on calling him out. He said he's in for episode 200. We just got to tell him Okay, good. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's going to do it for the Talking Comics podcast for this week. For Steve. Later. And Bob. And good night, all. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics. To be... Continued.